Welcome back to the Video Store Junkies, a podcast about movies and the experience of watching them. And we're kind of reaching the end of an era on this episode because, well, George A. Romero himself was reaching the end of an era with this film we're going to talk about tonight, which is the final of six films in his Living Dead series, which spanned a little over 40 years. Last time anyone counted, 53 million people were dying every year, 150,000 every day, 107 every minute. They become an us versus them world. All we were looking for was a place where there was no them. Lousy times make lousy people. All the wrong people are dying. Silent needs to be rid of them. We like it here. We think the best way of seeing this through is here. We don't want no place. We want some place. Like where? Like an island. Of course, I'm talking about Survival of the Dead, the final film in the series and the final film of George Romero himself. And as always, tonight I am joined with a bunch of other folks who we're going to discuss this film, we're going to break it down, and we're going to pass judgment on it. So let's get straight to it. And I realized that I've actually kind of been negligent because for the, I think for the first couple movies, I was doing like stupid little intros uh, or, or, <laughs> or stupid prompts every time uh, someone would introduce themselves. And I kind of got away from that. So we're going to get back to that today. And I would like everyone to introduce themselves and kind of give your history with this movie. You know, when, when did you first see it? And then I'd also like to know if you're a zombie on Plum Island and you are chained up, if Muldoon got a hold of you and instead of killing you, decided to uh, to chain you up and let you live out your undeath, what, uh, what task would you be endlessly repeating on Plum Island? Let's start with Paul tonight. I would be, I would be endlessly battling my network. <laughs> On my computer, I'd be at it just like I'd be the zombie. They're just banging my computer. Well, not that way. Banging on my computer and just... <laughs> yeah, no, not like that. Oh man. So yeah, no, I would just I would be the the zombie who would be sitting at his computer, cursing in zombies, repeatedly and yelling about the network and and Wi Fi. That would be me. Oh, I'm Paul Cardulo, by the way. Not a zombie as of yet. And what's your, as far what's your as history I know. with this film, Paul? Uh, oh, um, I, I just so I, much to I, remember here. So much to remember. It's not, uh, anyway, it was uh, I just first time I watched it was a couple weeks ago because I had never um, again, we had mentioned before I didn't watch uh, Diary of the Dead. And so when this one came out, I was like, and I heard it was like, oh, I heard it's better, but not really that great. And I'm like, eh, OK, well, I'd have to watch Diary to get to it, you know, because I'm a completist. But yeah, so I, I, I put it off and then I watched it. And what I think we'll save that for the podcast. Well, I guess we're in the podcast now, but yeah. Yeah, this is actually the podcast. And I apologize. It's all my fault for complicating things and coming up with these stupid prompts. So I apologize <laughs> for tripping everyone up. So speaking of people who maybe actually do have a history with this movie, let's go to the one person I actually know. I think I think the only person on tonight's episode that actually saw this movie before <laughs> we watched it to record this episode. But uh, Bill, why don't you introduce yourself and... Uh, Tell us all about your your long history with this film. I'm Bill Mulligan. I'm a high school science teacher, indie filmmaker, podcaster, jack of all trades. Um, and if I were a zombie on Muldoon's Island, like Paul, I imagine I would be just tapping away at my keyboard, trying to figure out how to open up volume mixer and listening to worthless advice from people who should know better. 
saying, come on, Bill, you just double right click on the uh, thing that looks like a, a bell and then hit control, alt, delete, shift, caps lock, tab, shift, shift, page up, control, alt, and then uh, F11 seven times. And it, it's the simplest damn thing. So yeah, that's, and, I, and then I'd probably be flinging my computer against a wall or something. It would just be scraps at this point. I, I love how we're getting a bunch of random window sounds in the background as if you are <laughs> actually struggling with your computer. So this, uh, my relationship with this movie, yeah, I mean, as soon as it was available, played on four theaters as soon as it was available on dvd or vcr or whatever it was at the time i ran out and got it i wasn't a huge fan at the time of um diary of the dead and i'm trying to remember yeah i mean romero was still alive i think when i saw this so it wasn't like uh, i knew that this was his last movie and um for my feelings we'll we'll get to it i mean it, i thought it was a step up from diary of the dead not quite what I wanted, but maybe going in the right direction, had some ideas that maybe could have been developed further in subsequent movies, but alas, there were no subsequent movies. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. By the way, as a complete aside to our listeners, Bill, he's not kidding. <laughs> so we actually record through Discord, and the room that we have set up, we have renamed to Bill Click here just to help him remember <laughs> yes. how to actually get into the room to record. So... Yeah, yeah, because Discord no is so intuitive. If you go in there, <laughs> a, a, an unfrozen caveman could figure out Discord. It is just so obvious and intuitive with arrows and buttons and big flashing lights telling you what to do. No, it, it, it fell from another dimension. Anyone who doesn't use Discord, it is a uh, an app primarily made for like 14-year-old gamers. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no no, uh, <laughs> no shade on Bill for not totally grasping the UI. <laughs> I still have trouble sometimes. Anyways, let's uh, let's go over to uh, I guess the, our next member, who's uh, I think been chiming in here. Renee, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Renee Sinabin, and I expected you to ask me this, and I wrote down I have no history <laughs> with this film, so Excellent. I have no history with this film. Yes, you're welcome. I like to keep it really succinct. Uh, I just um, watched it what last week, I think. For the first time. Nice. Well, quick, <laughs> quick and easy introduction. But more importantly, if you were if you were a zombie on Palm Island, you forgot oh, yes. the most important thing. Yeah. Probably also be sitting away, uh, <laughs> tapping on my keyboard, but probably would be just getting up and going back and forth to the refrigerator and grabbing cans of Diet Coke over and over and over again. Cool. Well, last but not least, because I don't think I actually introduced myself at the top of the show, I'm Zachary Edgerton, and like two of you i actually have no real history with this film i watched diary as we talked about on our last episode saw diary around the time it came out was very very sad very disheartened and i actually never watched this one just because it was kind of so depressing so yeah i watched it for the first time about two weeks ago and i've now seen it twice for this podcast and mm. that's that's about it so i think we can get right into kind of the background and history on this film and it's probably going to be a pretty quick section because I actually don't have a ton of background in history. We actually kind of covered the background and history of this on our last episode because this was a movie that Ramiro was already kind of talking about when Diary came out. And he had kind of a couple of movies in his mind. Actually, we'll talk about he had a couple, a couple more movies in his mind mm -hmm. that uh, never actually got made after this one. 
But it was a film that he was already talking about when Diary was kind of, he was kind of doing the press circuit for Diary. And like this one came out, I think, two years after Diary, which is actually a pretty short order considering that, you know, the, the, well, I guess Diary had come out two years after Land, but before that it was like, you know, there would be between like seven and 20 years between the releases of the, of these films. So yeah, he was, uh, he was getting back into it after kind of a, a lapse in the franchise and kind of finding this kind of, I guess, newfound energy. And this is also a film that kind of is separated a little bit in my mind from, you know, the earlier films, because along with land and diary, this one was shot in and around Toronto in Canada. And so it's a kind of a bit of a change from uh, his previous films that were largely produced in and around Pittsburgh. So that's kind of all I have for history. Does anyone else have anything they want to mention about the background of this movie? Only that I believe this is inspired by, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the Western. Was it the big sky? You're close. You're what so close. It? The big, <laughs> I was going to get, I was going to kind of lead you into it, but I can't say the big cunt. Oh, oh big country. <laughs> yeah, oh no, please. yeah. Please don't do that. <laughs> Edit yeah. that out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't make, don't oh, make me man. laugh. I'll cough. Sorry. Oh man, uh, which yeah, is a great close. movie. Uh, <laughs> now, I'll, now I'll be never be able to see it again without laughing. Uh, that's with that's with Gregory Peck and Gene Simmons and um, who else? Yeah. Charlton Heston was in it. I mean, it's a it's a classic western. Even if you're not a big fan of western, this was one of those big sprawling westerns with a great cast and a good director, and they put a lot of money into it. And it tells a really cool story about a feud between families, and yeah, and and ah. this is yeah yeah. So you know, this has that with zombies. But, All right, I thought about uh, checking it out when I saw that uh, note, but I uh, didn't get that far. So thanks for the. Good recommendation. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I like epic westerns. Mm. They, you know, the old cow- cowboy comes into town, white hat, black hat, boom, boom. Blah. <laughs> but the epic ones that really take advantage of the, uh, you know, the vistas and, and larger than life characters and everything. That's pretty good. That, that's some good mm. stuff. And this one, yeah, I, I'm trying to guess when this was. I would guess early 60s, late 50s. I might be wrong. It just was a really cool time. Some good stuff was being made. And, and I can see where someone like Romero of his age growing up with that, there's a real fondness for Westerns that new kid, these kids today probably have no affection for because when was, how many Westerns do you ever get to see now? There are very few new ones made. So I, I can see where, you know, for an awful lot of filmmakers, John Carpenter, same thing, you know, they're like, I want to make a Western. It's like, yeah, no one makes Westerns anymore. Yeah, I was actually going to say, it's it's, it's kind of like John Carpenter. I think a lot of his movies were actually, I think, what it was it, Rio Bravo, that they were kind of, I don't want to mm-hmm. say ripping off, but heavily inspired by. They're capturing that vibe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. One other thing I actually wanted to mention, and I didn't actually find this in any, like, interviews or anything, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting. It's probably just coincidence, but when we talked about the Diary of the Dead, uh, on that episode, I mentioned that Romero had talked about being kind of inspired by Book of the Dead, which is kind of an anthology of of zombie mm-hmm. stories. And there's actually a story in there by Stephen King called Home Delivery, which is actually set on an island. So I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Of course, it's an island off the coast of Maine because it's a Stephen King story. But Right, of course. And I, I think all of us who ever thought 
have given any thought to zombies or survival or surviving zombies and what we would do, blah, blah, blah. The go-to idea that makes perfect sense is an island, you know, on mm-hmm. the assumption that zombies are not great swimmers. Um, and, you know, you it's, it's self-contained. If it's big enough, it's got food and water and you're protected on all sides. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, you know. But, of course, in every Romero movie, it doesn't matter where you go. Go to Mount Everest, go anywhere, go to Fort Knox, lock yourself in. Doesn't matter if you're with anyone else, you are with the eventual dead. Oh, mm. Everyone's a zombie just waiting to get out. <laughs> Holy cow, if you go on Everest, it'd be full of them then. That oh, would actually yeah, be cool. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't God. be able to do anything though. They're just locked in place, you know, moaning away. <laughs> I was going to say, they're, yeah. they're pretty solid. Yeah, that, that would yeah, actually that would be. be cool. that, that would be cool because yeah, because all the people who've died up there have been so well preserved that they would come back and mm-hmm. that's such a, yeah. somebody write that right. God, okay, yeah. Yeah. On that. All right. Well, and then and then the other climbers would get lost because don't they use them as as a you know waypoint? They do. <laughs> yeah. I totally went on this like Everest deep dive. Uh, I think it had to have been last year, so like I got all the information. <laughs> really? So so like you know that's in the instructions. Take a right turn at Kevin. Yeah, they're like, once you see the guy with the neon pants, yes. <laughs> and you know you're halfway up or whatever. So if you want to be a merry prankster, you could just give them different color pants and screw everybody <laughs> up. I have been trying to, I've been thinking of trying to talk Bill into collaborating on a script with me for a while. So maybe, maybe I'll try to pitch that. Oh, there you their, go. Their first yeah, because that, because whenever you're making a low budget indie movie, the first thing you should do is set it in a location that would cost gazillions of dollars to see realized. Nowadays, you just do it all on a green screen, though. So it's pretty oh, yeah. simple, actually. Yeah. That looks you know? good. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit, a couple of numbers on this movie uh, before we get into the meat of the discussion. So this one had a budget of four million bucks, had a worldwide box office of three hundred eighty six thousand dollars. And mm. that's largely because it was only released in like 20 theaters in the U.S. I didn't mm. think it was kind of interesting. I guess like a year after it came out, it was re-released in like Latin America and made like another quarter million dollars. So most of that is actually from mm. that re-release. So, wow. and according to the numbers.com, it made a little over 3.4 million in home video sales. So as always, no clue what that actually counts up to in terms of right. profits because, you know, Hollywood filmmaking, we we're actually just talking about uh, sure. on The Walking Dead, how the how AMC was basically, uh, you know, in order to screw Frank Darabont o- over, used a bunch yeah. of shady accounting. So, uh, you know, no, in, no one ever knows. In how theory, it's... Survival of the Dead has made more money than all the Harry Potter movies put together. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. Or all the Lord of the Rings yeah. movies, because, you know, New Line sure. didn't want to pay Jackson any money. But yeah, yeah, so it was a moderate success. It's kind of interesting, though, on Metacritic, looked it up, has a 43. And we kind of talked about, we don't usually talk about, like, ratings and reviews. But I had looked them up for Diary because I thought it was kind of interesting that that movie has a 66 on Metacritic because I, I was just kind of talking about how I was kind of surprised at some of the good reviews. So kind of kind of interesting. This movie, uh, you know, without without letting any of my final thoughts slip here, I think it is a superior film to Diary. So it's kind of oh, yeah. weird yeah. that it. Yeah, it's got. But didn't uh, we touch on that a little bit that. I hate to say it, but like George was still alive at the time, so potentially, you know, maybe well, he was all, no, he died, in, he died in 2017. This movie yeah. was out. No, but I mean during he, for Diary. Oh, he, I mean, he was alive. I mean, he died in 2017. This movie came out in 2009. Oh, Survival. I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, people were just fed up by the time Survival came out. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Like we were nice the first time. No, I think some of them liked 
the artsy fartsy found footage trying, you know, it was so overtly of all his films is the one that most tries hard to say something and be a social critique and everything. I think some of them respond to that, mm. I guess. I, otherwise I can't imagine. Cause I think this is much more an, an enjoyable. It's not, it's not the greatest of his films by far, but I think it's way I'd, I'd watch this again before I'd watch uh, diary. Yeah. Well, and then just to put those the, the the kind of time frame in perspective. So this yeah, this came out uh September 9th, 2009, I think at a the film festival premiere and then it opened in theaters on May 28th, 2010, and then it came out on Blu-ray and DVD on August 24th, 2010. So hmm. most people probably saw this in like 2010. Right. So let's move on to our next section. And as always, we're going to talk about the living, which is kind of the the cast and the characters, or I should say the characters and the cast who portray them. And then we're going to talk about the dead, which is where we just kind of touch on the zombies in this movie. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about some of our, our favorite survival of the dead characters. And I guess I, I'll, I'll pitch I'll pitch the kind of the first one that I think is probably worth talking about because he's kind of the main character of the movie. If this movie has a main character, and I am, of course, talking about Alan Van Sprang as Sarge, who actually kind of set a record or set a milestone for this series in this film, because he is the first person to actually reprise a role in the Living Dead universe. Hmm. I guess technically you could say mm -hmm. Machete from you know he shows up in the land of the dead but he's the first like living person yeah. first actor playing kind of playing the same character so that's uh that yeah that's kind of an impressive feat now george actually did mention that the i think the reason that this is the first time that you know this actually happened was because i think in one of the interviews he was actually talking about wanting to kind of bring characters back but apparently each movie was kind of owned by like different people and it was kind of hard to like get the rights to certain characters so that's kind of why that never happened before but i thought that was kind of interesting i will open this up for discussion alan van spring as sarge who wants to who wants to kick off this conversation sure i'll say something about the guy uh i found him to be the least appealing anti-protagonist ever uh <laughs> and <laughs> I, but I would like everyone to know that he's a viral internet celebrity, and I don't know how the hell that happened because the video went really? viral apparently after the thing went down. Yeah, like in the very beginning, he was talking about how the video of him like, getting the kids on the RV went viral. And it's like, how did it go viral? Like, I don't, so that shit didn't make any sense. And they were, uh, the whole truck of money thing was just with him. I don't. Yeah, I, I okay. Yeah, <laughs> what with what the hell? I mean, and someone even they even had someone point out money's not worth anything, which is true. And then that was completely abandoned. Like, oh no, money's always worth something. No, it really isn't. Um, yeah. It's it's useful for toilet paper, mm -hmm. but with almost everyone dead, I think you could find a, a lifetime supply of toilet paper. Money is absolutely worthless. I mean, is, am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong, but I think you're always going to have people who aren't going to believe that. They're going to be delusional anyway and think, fuck, look, I've never gotten a chance to get money in my... Look, I've got all this money. It's mine. Somebody's going to want this. So I think you're going to yeah. get delusional people. I mean, you yeah, know, if anything we've learned over the past few years, people have all sorts of strange reactions. And I, I, I could those see Those people that. would be dead in the first two weeks of the zombie epidemic. They, they wouldn't <laughs> be around. The timing yeah. in this is the thing that throws me off. Because, like, in the beginning, he's acting like... You know, like they've they're these hard seasoned, 
uh, you know, th- this has been like this has been going on a long time, but then no, it's still only the first couple days or first weeks, and then then like the one guy's watching a basically Letterman streaming online, and I'm like, but <laughs> but I'm like, I thought I thought generally I was under the impression that things went to shit really fast. Yeah. And Letterman's yeah. still kind of like, hey, hey, look at the, the zombie jokes. Ah, ha, ha. I'm like, what the hell? So the, yeah, the yeah. timing of it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I took the guy, I took the guy that he was watching, like, I, I took that to be some sort of like shitty, like internet show. I didn't, I didn't take that to be like an actual mm. like TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. I could be well, wrong. Well, they had like an audience. I mean, there's a guy who was very clearly supposed to be Paul Schaefer. He even had like oh, the, yeah. the oh my God. They even had like the, the, the window smashing <laughs> down when he throws the pencil. Yeah. It's, it's Letterman. No, no, yeah, it, had, yeah. it, had a, it had a laugh track, Paul, believe it or not. Sometimes laugh tracks, in fact, there could be a laugh track right now. <laughs> No, no, I, I agree. The timing doesn't make much sense. I mean, because if this is early in the epi- in the epidemic, then there should just be riots in the streets. And, you know, we got to go from 9 billion people down to a much smaller number in a, in a short period of time. This, the whole feel of this is that it, it's taking place sometime afterward when things have more or less settled out. There aren't that many people left, but that's not the setting of it. But they just didn't have the budget to really show, uh, you know, the zombie apocalypse, which why I was smart, I guess, to set it on a small island that, you know, this is their version of the apocalypse. It's a small apocalypse because it's a small island. <laughs> yeah. And but, yeah, just the, 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 the bulk of the movie takes place a month after the dead have started to rise, just uh, for context. Okay. Well, but still, it, it seemed the way they acted like it was longer. But I, I mean, again, yeah. in, in those yeah. situations, a month can seem like forever. So. That is true. Um, but getting back to Sarge himself, I think one of the things we should talk about is the the voiceover. Um, the <sighs> one thing I, I have in my notes is, well, it's not as bad in the pre as in the previous film. Had the exact same, <laughs> the exact same right. note. But that's about all I could really say of it. it was, but it it's was, still bad. Yeah, and I'll tell you something. I mean, you you know, know. I thought, watching this movie, I kept thinking to myself, if this movie were exactly what it is, and you got rid of the vast majority and possibly all, maybe not, but as much as you could of the voiceover, I'd bump it up another star. I mean, I think like that last shot would be a pretty cool shot if it weren't for, you know, and by the way, that's what this means, uh, you know, just beating <laughs> you over the head with it and everything. Yeah. Unless, unless you've got some dialogue, some poetry that just sings and it doesn't. There is no reason to have all that. I think a lot of it would just be more effective if we didn't. We don't need to be spoon fed this. We can. We're smart enough to pick it up, and it would make a whole. It would just be so much better. Ditch it all. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, that we're talking George here. Subtlety, not his strong point, right? Yeah. <laughs> but voiceovers only work with hard-boiled detective novels. That's about <laughs> it. Uh, that's about the only time I want to hear them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and and he did not. Alan didn't put a whole lot of emotion into it, but then would it have been any better if he had? Maybe not. You know, he was going for a world weary kind of thing. Uh, you know, that's probably as good as it was going to get, but nothing was going to make it good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I actually, I actually feel like, so this is going to be kind of a, a recurring theme for me. I think that the script isn't great in this movie. And I think there are a lot of times when it's just downright awful, but I actually mm-hmm. think that the big difference, the big difference between this movie and diary is that this movie has a cast that can at least try yes. to do something with that oh, script. Yeah. And I actually I actually think yeah. Alan Ben Spring, like for for the 
what you know the the closest thing to a real protagonist or i guess an anti-protagonist or whatever you want to call him but he's you know he probably has the most screen time and i think he's actually i i, I actually have to give him some credit for being a, a good actor and mm-hmm. kind of pulling off some of the cheesy lines like a little bit better than i think anyone in the uh in the last movie would have oh yeah because we even mentioned we even mentioned when we talked about diary that like him his segment even though he's only in there for a minute was like one of the best parts of the movie Mm -hmm. oh sure you know no it's great it's great the way he turns and everything and and Mm -hmm. it it, that worked great and all um you know just i don't think he was given as much to do here i I also kind of got the feeling that he was meant to be older than i thought he was you know to me he seems like a guy in his 30s right but at some point he has like in his 40s i was gonna say 40s really I just, I just felt like, you know, at some point he's like, I'm too, I'm too old for this girl. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. You, you know, you're not Clint Eastwood, but uh... <laughs> that means he's actually, yeah, he's not creepy, which is I kind of right. when he said he had that line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that, which actually the, the, the character itself also to me is interesting because he's not, I mean, there are parts of him that are a piece of shit. There are parts of him that he's a good, I mean, it, he's, I wouldn't, I, don't, I wouldn't hardly say it called a complex character, but it's yeah. there's there's more to him. He's he's the little less cardboard cutouty than they usually are in in mm-hmm. Romero films. I mean, he's got a little bit. It's sort of like, well, do I? Because there are times where I was sitting going, wait, am I supposed to like him? Am I not supposed to like him? How much? I'm like, he's just supposed to be. You know, he's doing yeah. some things that that are good. Some things are selfish. Some things aren't. I mean, it's so it. I don't know. To me, it, it kind of worked for that. Made me. I don't necessarily. I say I like the character, but it kind of. I found it a lot more interesting, I think, than some of the yeah. characters are sometimes because he wasn't just mm-hmm. cut and dry. This is the villain. This is the good guy. This is the bad. It was yeah. like, no, he's kind of like, you know. So I, I thought that he had was a little more depth than anyone mostly. Yeah, I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I just looked it up. He was actually, I guess, he was like 37 when this movie was shot. Way to go, Bill. Yeah. Which is actually, yeah, yeah. I guess, I like, he, I mean, I'm like 37, and he looks a lot more, like, older and more world-weary than me, but I don't know if that's, like, the character. He well, just like that's also because older. you look like you're 24, so. Well, okay, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and you're not in the midst of a zombie apocalypse. Oh, that's true. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't have the weight of the world <laughs> he just, yeah. wearing you down. Yeah. And he is he is 11 years older than the, the actress that portrayed the the character he was talking about, so. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, refreshing that he decided that 11 years was too much of a gap for him. Yeah, especially in, a, in an apocalypse where, let's face it, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> she's, you know, she's alive and easy on the eyes. That's about all it should take. Not for long, though. Uh, we'll get to her in a minute. I got some mm. bones to pick. Got some oh, bones to pick here. Oh, yeah. boy. Uh, th- there's, a, there's a shot in this movie that really pissed me off. And, oh. You know, I think you'll all oh. agree. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking forward to yeah. that. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anything else we want to talk about uh, for Sarge right now? I, I'm sure that we'll talk about kind of him in relation to some of the other characters, but, or anything else we want to talk about the performance before we move on? Yeah, like I said, I think it was, you know, especially when we're looking at the previous film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he is likable. I mean, I, yeah. there was no one in the other movie that I was rooting for. I would have felt bad if Sarge got eaten. You know, that, right. that would have brought a, you know, a lump to my throat a little as opposed to the others where I couldn't wait. Yeah, I, I did. I did think that this movie actually had some some characters that I, I kind of liked. And I I, I, I was actually kind of rooting for them versus the other ones. So I had that going for it. 
So do we want to move on and talk about another character? And this sure. is going to be a case of I'm going to I'm going to say positive things about the actor and probably mm-hmm. negative things about uh, some of the aspects of the character. <laughs> oh, but, um... I think I know who you're talking about. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, after me, Lucky Charms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how you do an Irish accent. You start up high and then you go down low. Um, obviously, I love I love how we've been doing this this podcast long enough that like we can read each other's minds. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm of course talking about Kenneth Walsh as Patrick O'Flynn. Patrick O'Flynn. First of all, I, I gotta say, furniture. I gotta say, oh my god, I'm dying. Oh, I gotta say, love, 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 love Kenneth Walsh. Uh, if you're like me, if you you're yeah, a huge fan right. of Twin Peaks, I will always mm. remember him because it was like the first thing I saw him in as Wyndham Earl in season yeah. two of Twin Peaks. So and, I think he's a great actor, and I think he's actually really great in this. But oh my god. Yeah. What is okay? Okay, okay. Let me just like, what is? Why what did is, they have to? Why did it have to be an island of Irishmen off the coast of Maine, what? or wherever the hell <laughs> it was supposed to be? It was off the That's coast of real. Delaware. It was Delaware. off the coast. Of De- oh no! Oh, but the of thing course, is, okay. Delaware. Little Scottish we call it Delaware. Yeah. Well, no, no, but okay, okay. But listen, listen. <laughs> Yeah. In the Chesapeake Bay, there is Tangier Island, oh, and Tangier Island, and much like actually some of the other coastal um, islands in, in North Carolina and Virginia, but primarily in Tangier Island, which is Virginia, they are hoitoiters, and they have they have almost like an English accent. Um, it's a little tiny island. When we were children, my we were coming back from the beach, and my dad made us ride on this horrible rough sea boat out in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, like in the dead center of it to go to this tiny island had one road and nothing else on it and these people who spoke like they were from england so there yeah, you they go speak like they're from yeah. england they don't speak like they're going to give you a, a a sack of gold if you if you capture them in a net or something <laughs> yeah, but, <come> <laughs> i'm saying i'm wondering if that was his i wonder if that was why he, oh, he well why, it was a bad decision it's funny it's funny though it, paul i was actually thinking the same thing because i know that there are certain islands where like the dialect is actually like even in present day is it's like this weird like throwback and it's not like even an ex- exactly an english accent but it's some weird like it's it's like an offshoot of how you know american accents have kind yeah, of yeah. come from the english accents but yeah so i actually yeah, they're called hoitoiters was... like i said that's actually yeah. hoitoiters I, I was thinking the same thing however i do have to note that like <laughs> romero has this weird thing about like irish accents in particular because he so he has mcdermott in day of the oh, dead yeah. who mm-hmm. has a Irish accent. Yeah. He has the guy in Land of the Dead whose, whose name I can't remember. So, I, and then in this movie, he was just like, I have to go all in on the Irish thing. So we're gonna have <laughs> right. a whole island of people who speak with very, very, you know. And and I, I have to point out that none of these actors are Irish. All of this, this no, you know, shooting shot think? in Canada. All of these actors, including Kenneth Walsh or Kenneth Welsh, are Canadian. So these are all like Canadians doing the Irish accents. And they're not masters of dialect. I mean, it's no, it's, no. I don't. Again, see, but, their, it doesn't, their it doesn't Irish have... is better than mine, but but it's it just it sounds like someone doing an Irish accent, which in fact that's. That's because on that island they're not Irish; they're from Delaware, and that's just <laughs> oh, that's God. it's a relate. No, it, you know what I took it as? I took it as we're dealing with uh, Romero. He's older. He knows. He doesn't uh, probably doesn't know or expect this is his last film because right. you know. But but he suspects oh, I probably have a lot more in me. Fuck it, I really don't care. It, to me, this film, the whole film was was Romero saying, I give zero fucks. <laughs> this is what I know, seriously. And 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 that's actually one of the things I kind of like about it. Yeah. Is it's very clearly somebody who's older, who doesn't give a shit anymore, like you said, 
they're not going to let me make anything but fucking zombie films anymore. I'm kind of over it, but you know what? I want to, yeah, I want to make a Western. I'm going to, I guess we've talked about this before, but also like, fuck it. You know what? That'd be fun. You know, I know about Tanger Island and they've got that kind of British accent. Fuck it. We'll have them do this really bad Irish accent. Sure. (laughs) And only two families that all live on this Island. I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe really inbred, inbred by this point. You oh, know, horrible, that's maybe horrible. that's why they've got the bad Irish accents because they're so inbred. Not implying the Irish are inbred, but implying that being <laughs> yeah, inbred. Yeah, oh. I'm, you know, oh, put send the cards and letters. <laughs> send cards and letters to. My name is <laughs> Bill Mulligan, by the way. I'm Bill Mulligan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, Bill Mulligan. <laughs> I'm yeah. Bill Mulligan. So, but yeah, um, yeah, no, it's just that's. That's see, that's my take on it. My but yeah. my main take was that that Romero just didn't give a shit. He just wanted him to do these <laughs> Irish accents and was like, "Fuck it, this will be fun." Uh, look, I mean, why it just not? Take, it does take you out of the movie a bit, though. And yeah, you oh, it did, didn't me. I was just excuses. like, oh. I was just, I just, I just kind of pretended like they were in Ireland somewhere. But again, if you look at those old westerns, you know, they had a lot of these broad stereotypes. There was always the, you know, John Wayne, and then his second in command is this big beefy Irishman who sounds like he literally just got off the boat. And and then there's Cookie, the cook, and he he's Gabby Hayes and talks like Gabby Hayes as Gabby Hayes does. Um, I'm surprised they didn't have someone like that. It uh, okay, yeah, it does kind of get with the Western vibe and everything. A bunch of immigrants shooting at each other, America. And and I do like Kenneth. What what amazed me? He's kind of a chameleon because I could have watched this movie a thousand times and never realized that he played a dead on Dick Cheney impersonation. In the day after tomorrow, oh my god! Like so good oh. that yes, unbelievable, one hundred percent Dick Cheney, more Dick Cheney and, than Dick Cheney. The guy who played Dick Cheney in the Dick Cheney movie wasn't as good as Kenneth Welsh was. Oh man, one of the, yeah, yeah. Go, now go, I'm, I'm gonna have go to go because I only saw that movie once, obviously because it was a piece of shit. But now I kind of oh, want to go back and because I feel terrible. like I, I would have recognized him because I definitely like knew who he was from Twin Peaks. So it's kind of funny yeah. that I didn't. Well, join us next week when we'll be talking about Day After Tomorrow, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) you mentioned funny. Speaking of funny, the the comedic bits that, that, I mean, I'm not sure when we would put this in, in, but I think this fits because it worked with him. There were quite a few that were just straight out comedic bits, which, I mean, of course, he's done that before. Like, look at, you know, look at uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, right? With the Mm -hmm. pie fight. Um, I mean, when when the one point where he has the, the dynamite, and he light, lights it, and, and then the door opens up, and the zombie hand sticks out. He goes, oh, thanks, here you go, and runs off, you know, like, <laughs> and, and then, the, then the, the zombie's looking at it, and then the thing goes out, and he's like, woo, boom, or when he throws the dynamite, and it blows down the wall, and they're just, like, we're, and they're all, well, who, somebody throws that, it wasn't him, it was, uh, was it the people in the truck? I can't remember, but, you know, it blows down the wall, and they're all yeah. just standing there, like, all smoky, and like, what happened? Sure, and he's like a little leprechaun, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> a little mischievous leprechaun. Oh, that yeah, that so I, killed I, the, me. That, that it was basically like a wily e. coyote bit. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah they did that kind of, but to me, to be honest, I was like, again, I think that was to me, it was just Romero saying, "Fuck it, I've done this before," and you know what? I just want to do it because fuck you. <laughs> well, <laughs> but in a good way. It was. In I think a good it was way. just this. To me, it was yeah. It was somebody who's like, "Look, I've done this. You're not going to let me do anything else. Fine, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to put some gags in here. Whoop. You know, I mean, they did that with again, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. One of the the yeah. the the pie fight the seltzer bottles so yeah i think i think my if we're getting into that stuff i think that's actually my one of my criticisms of this movie because as much as i love donna i mean it's one of my favorite movies ever but the end some of the parts of the end are just too much for me he definitely goes all in on the stupid bits 
And I actually yeah. made a list because, yeah, I, I had oh, a good, note that good. just said, yeah. So, so speaking of, of, of this character, though, I think there is one other one I can call out, which is kind of that same scene where there's a guy, like, on the roof of the, like, the, the little boathouse or whatever, the slip, and he's, like, fishing. And then, like, a oh, zombie yeah. comes up and, like, gets him. And then they're, like, and then they cut to, 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 the, to the people in the house, and they're, like, ooh, what was that? And yeah. did they not know that guy was up there? What? That made no sense at all to me. No, no it, that, that scene made no sense. It, it was such a throwaway bit. <laughs> it like, made no sense. It made Isn't no any, sense. There's he's, a lot he's of things an, that didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. It's, he's in an incredibly vulnerable position. Like, there's no chance he's not going to fall off the roof and get killed by zombies. The, the fishing bit wasn't was fairly clever. Maybe that's a good way to keep him out of the water, you know, if you had a plan. But this wasn't a plan. Um, oh, I, didn't, so I thought yeah, he was. Just, I thought he was just actually fishing. Fishing. It was like, oh shit, it's a zombie. I didn't think he was trying to. Yeah, no, I think he was fishing. Yeah, I think. Uh, but, but and then he just happened just... to snag a zombie. He's like, oops. Well, that's gonna happen a lot. In there. Yeah. But they were they were in the house. He was like sitting on the roof, and they. But but mm. then like Kenneth Walsh or uh, keep wanting to call him Kenneth Walsh. Kenneth Welsh's <laughs> character is just like, what was that? And like he's been up there for like twenty. Like that bit lasts for like five minutes, and then I don't yeah. know. They had no idea. I, it just made no sense. There are a lot of things in this movie just like I'm like well, this this oh. actually makes no sense at all. Speaking of the same scene, right? The 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 army guys, the national guard guys come in and then they're they're fighting they're like, "Oh, you can't get away because we we mined the road." And it's like, "How the fuck did they drive in then?" Mm. <laughs> well, they, like, they actually they show the mines like activate when they drive over them. Oh, did they? Somehow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe I wasn't paying as much like, attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're really good about setting up some incredible complex thing like this. But meanwhile, uh, Ho Chow doesn't notice that a zombie is coming. These zombies have that ninja ability to yeah. be just about on top of you before they get you. Where in real life, they'd just be stupid and stumbling around and, and snapping on twigs and stepping on leaves and stump holes and just making making a ruckus. You know, you're not trying to. At least hard. they don't go like oof or anything. They don't, you know, make, you know. So yeah, yeah. They don't make the sound I make when I step in a stump hole. That's true. So, yeah, that oh. being said, though, I mean, I think Kenneth Welsh, Kenneth Welsh is good with the material. Yeah. Again, he's one of those actors that he's obviously like a very accomplished actor. And there are actually there are actually some moments that are kind of funny because they're they're not like stupid bits. They're legitimately funny because he's like the when they, they're asking him about the boat and he's like, oh, I've got a rowboat and a motorboat. And then he's like, well, how much is the uh, the motorboat? He's like, all of your money. And then he's like, well, how much is the robo? All your money. And so, I don't know. I thought that was kind of yeah. funny. Well, he, he, he's charming. Yeah, he's he a is. charming rogue. Yeah. He's a lovable he, he, scamp. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yes. He And he makes it work for that character. I think that's the thing. I mean, bad Irish accent and yeah. all. I think it, he still, it still works the way he does it. And you're kind of on his side, too, because he's right. You know, you, yeah. you don't train zombies they're not going to be cured if you came up with a cure for zombiedom it's like and you you suddenly turned your long dead rotting relatives back into real boys again they're they're then they're going to die from being rotted i mean it, there's no there's no return <laughs> yeah. from this well I, I, you know but i think that that's actually a part of a story that would have been interesting that they hint at mm -hmm. which is these kind of two sides not necessarily that you'd return them to, to life but yeah that you could train them, which they kind of touched on in the other films, they do. right? And but if you could play more with the two sides debating it and and presenting yeah. both sides as, as like you know this side's clearly the right side, no, you right. know, kind of looking at it would be neat to see a a fair and balanced 
appraisal of the, how the yeah. zombie because you have the people because who are like, it, look, it, I can't yeah. kill them. They're our family members. Yeah. So it was like I thought they were setting that up, and then it just kind of like, eh, no, that kind of yeah. went by the wayside. And and give Muldoon credit, you know, he did actually train his wife to prepare meals. Now, would I eat a meal that was prepared by a zombie? Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if she's drooling in it or accidentally cuts off one of her own fingers or, you know, no. Oh, God. Dang. But, yeah, but I, I, whatever. Eh. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it did set up like there should have been more of a conflict here, but. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the thing that I didn't like and, and yeah, I guess we can kind of also talk about Muldoon a bit uh, played by Richard Fis Fitzpatrick. Uh, I guess it's kind of an Irish name. Um, although he's yeah. Canadian. So I, I think I, I was, <laughs> that's kind of the, one of the things I had a problem with though, because like his grand plan is to like <laughs> train yeah. these, I guess train these zombies to like eat other like sources of food. Yeah, but then I'm horses. like, if you're spending so much time trying to train like a single zombie to eat a single other thing. And it's like, even if somehow that you accomplish that, like how long is it going to take to like train all of these zombies to not eat people. And I don't know. It right. just made no sense at all. Well, she tells two zombies and they tell two zombies and on and on. Yeah, it goes. Uh, yeah. I, I figured they're trying different techniques. Okay. Now we're trying this. We're trying that. That didn't work. Oh, try. oh here we found this, this zombie now eats horses. Okay. Well, all right, well, good. Now we just got to get a whole bunch of horses, but you know, in other words, but it's in other words, to me, it was, they were trying different things with it. Um, but it also seemed like they were grasping at straws, which would, would, how people are so in other words it might not make a lot of plan no well yeah. that's what i'm saying it might not make logical sense but sometimes people are yeah. like in desperate circumstances they're like we don't want to kill our you know they're our family members we don't want to kill them see i'm doing quotes here but but even within that the the logic yeah. you know we want to train zombies to eat horses so we're going to pick the one zombie who seems to have the the most love for horses <laughs> eh, that yeah. seems like a reach yeah. Well, all I'm saying is, I, I, logic doesn't necessarily. No. The, you know, the the characters themselves could have flawed logic, which is not a oh, well, problem yeah. with the yeah. film. It's you true. The saying? Irish, the Irish have never yeah. been known for their sound logic, but um, oh, no, oh, well, man. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a fair it's a fair statement. I kid, I kid. Uh, like if we have any if we have any listeners out there in Ireland, uh, it's it's all in good fun. Uh, or as you would say, it's uh, fun. Anyways, or, <laughs> or, or if we have any, if we have any listeners off the coast of Delaware, off the coast of Delaware, right. yeah, I, I did. I did want to mention one thing, and this is actually something that I think you know, Bill, you kind of alluded to. That there, there were things, there were ideas in this movie that may have sounded good on paper, but probably mm. weren't so great in execution. And I did find a, a quote that from Romero that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so he was talking about the, just the concept for this film. And he said, I, I had sitting in a drawer an idea about doing something about war. This idea that conflicts never end, the fact that people can't reconcile their differences. So obviously that's, uh, you know, very literal in this film. And obviously mm -hmm. Romero at the time, you know, we talked about how Land and Diary, he was, he was talking about how they were both kind of allegories for like the Iraq war and the Bush administration and all that stuff. Which I guess, okay, yeah, I get it. That's that you're kind of, uh, you're once again trying the allegory out. And I, I don't necessarily hate that setup, but yeah, I think having one character be so right uh, and one character mm -hmm. just be kind of, I don't know, I think it would have been a better jerk. if they had, uh, well, a jerk and just an idiot. Like, yeah, I, I think it yeah. would have been better if they'd just been fighting over the island because. Mm -hmm. the, the the idea that the yeah the island and and the fact that you know uh o'flynn is sending people there and muldoon is basically just killing them and 
you know, it does kind of make sense that if you had an island that was safe, then you'd you'd want to keep it, you know, protect it and keep people off of it. Right. So I kind of I kind of wish they I feel like he could have just kept it a lot more simple in that regard. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Renee, do you have any thoughts on any of these characters or this conflict or the Irish in general? No, I thought they were all a bunch of fucking pricks and I mm. hated them all. And I just thought the whole thing was because of these two guys that were fighting over the size of their dicks. And mm. it was just so stupid. I thought, oh, Flynn was, I don't, anyway. Yeah, I just, they were all very. It reminds me, Renee, when you mentioned that they do, because I was like, oh, I found, I found O'Flynn charming. But no, he wasn't charming. He was a prick. Well, that's because he robbed people. He sent them to the yeah. island to die, and then he's like, oh, "I didn't want anyone to die." But you robbed <laughs> them, so that was fine. Yeah. You kill your alive ass daughter while she's in the middle of a goddamn sentence, but you won't kill your zombie mm-hmm. daughter. It, the last bullet in your gun, and that's what you use to kill your daughter mid sentence. And then you're just like, "Oh, yeah. you call me too strict?" Like, fuck that guy. Right when she's about to say, oh, it, it worked. The zombies are eating horses. And it's like, I, we're supposed to feel like, oh, no, an opportunity was missed. If zombies eat, the Walking Dead zombies eat horses, deer, bear, whatever they can find. And it doesn't seem to do the trick. It's like, you know, no. hmm, that, that horse was fine. But you know what I really love? People. Yeah, I'm a people person. <laughs> you know, I like shrimp. Renee, what you what you said when you said that, I was like, oh, wow, that I think that's. Yes, I you you have changed my mind, Renee. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, honestly, that uh, that really has. I mean, it's it's like I still found him charming, but he charming dick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought there was a lot of really like funny little parts and stupid little lines and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you know, oh, what was that when the guy, you know, fell off the roof and you know, silly little lines and whatnot. But. Oh. Wanted to punch him in the face, but yeah. I wanted to punch Seamus Muldoon in the face a lot more. See, he, he, his thing—he's not—he's not an attractive man. He doesn't—he doesn't have that going for him. He's just sort of a big, doughy, angry guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, unless you're into that kind of thing, though. I was gonna say I, I can I can halfway relate to that, so I'm not saying anything. <laughs> well, do we? We kind of mentioned her. Do we want to kind of touch on Kathleen Monroe as the Janet slash Jane characters? Sure. And I'd actually like to kick this off by saying I was very confused by the fact that like halfway through the movie, they reveal she's like a twin and it feels like that's supposed to be some sort of big reveal and it has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on the story. Yeah. No, no. Um, Yeah, that was, I I think we're supposed to be confused or something, uh, you know? Hey, I thought she was on a, but you know, she's barely a zombie. She, she doesn't look very zombified. They kept her looking pretty. And mm. she's on this horse, which doesn't make any sense. Has she been riding that horse for the last what five about weeks? the horse? What right? about the horse? Yeah, is is oh he not tired? God. Um, you know, how does that work? How'd she get on the horse? Zombies can barely navigate stairs, right? Like, did she and die s- on the horse and just turn? Did into she die? A Maybe she died on the horse, and the horse <laughs> and never, never fell off. Her off. I yeah, mean, right. It all seems pretty unlikely. According to IMDb that, trivia, which we know is true, <clears throat> it's supposedly that's the horse that was in the pilot for Walking Dead. No, that it is was a lie. Because Renee, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I have to. I have to comment on this though, because Renee and I actually did some research, oh, and wow. it's definitely not the horse. Because yeah, the horse, the blade is the horse from The Walking Dead, 
And he's, uh, I think he's actually got, like, his handlers have a site with, like, all of his credits. And I also just went and, like, looked at pictures of that horse and looked at this horse. And they are not even the same color. So, yeah, 100% wrong. Mm. And maybe yeah. that was a stunt horse. He could have dyed yeah. his hair. It's still, no, I think, no, I think yeah. Blade, Blade is a stunt horse. So that's the thing. Yeah, Blade is a legend. Um, yeah. No. And, and he's there, also, like, a daywalker. Is there a reason why only one particular uh, horse can be in zombie movies? I mean, I get it that Ben the Bear is going to be in most bear movies because he's the only grizzly bear that anyone would trust to have near them. But a horse, good, good a horse. horse doesn't care if it's, you know, oh, hey, hey, Trigger, uh, your rider's going to be a zombie. Yeah, whatever. Just make sure the you check's might clear. You horses uh, now. I don't know. Yeah, they are kind of squirrely. I don't they know. A horse is a horse. Of course, of course. Of course. Oh, do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember riding those damn horses for fistful of brains? What a what a fiasco that turned into! No, because I don't think I was there when they were actually riding them. Oh my god, it was amazing! Like a bunch of greenhorns getting on a horse for the first time, and like, you know, yeehaw! Bam, the thing takes off! Like, that's oh god, amazing! No, stop! Death! Yeah. Death! Death! Please. I mean, I don't, I don't great. think you have to be a special horse for like just riding it, but I will note that the like the the zombies eating the horse at the end, I believe, are actually the the handlers because. Uh, yeah. You don't want you don't want to like even if even if a horse is relatively docile, you probably don't want to be like crawling all over it while, while it's laying on the ground yeah. for a stunt, No, they're so. they're big and prone to violence, like the Irish. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> same. So Kathleen Monroe, she's yeah. I think she's a, she's a good actress. She's attractive. Um, I think okay, the stuff with her and her dad, it, it's a little silly. I mean, I just feel like, hey guys, you know. This is all very interesting to you, I'm sure, but the living dead have risen and are devouring the living. You know, I mean, stop. Who cares? Just yeah. Work it out. None of you are going to be alive for much longer. So just who cares? Uh, Daddy wasn't there to play ball with me. Oh, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, but that's okay. I liked the character. I liked her. And, and then they just throw her away in the stupidest scene oh. in the whole movie. Oh. She's yeah. her her sister's a dead zombie. She know Janet knows what a zombie is and what zombies do, and for absolutely no reason decides this is a good time to see if if maybe she won't bite her on the hand. And oh, spoiler alert! No, she bit her on the hand. Why would you? Why would anyone of even moderate intelligence put themselves in that position? It's mm. beyond imagining. It, it, it I, I was like no screaming sense. at the screen at that point. I was like, yes. that is no. dumb as fuck is pretty much what I was like. I just say like, kind of hate the arrogance of it. It's because it's like, mm. they want me. They recognize mm. me. It's like, no, idiot. You look like a pizza. You, you look like food. She wants food. Yeah. So that, that really ruined the character for me there. Yeah. And then also the, the idea, again, like I said, that you know, she was just about to reveal that they eat horses and everything's going to be cool. And then they shoot her and it's like, oh, what an opportunity missed. You know, I, I feel like that was something Romero's gone to before where like at the end of the crazies, the guy's got the cure, but then he gets sucked into the, you know, he's, he's killed with everyone else. So oh, we had the cure and we lost it. I didn't feel even for a second that we had the, the solution to the zombie menace here. Feed him horses. Where are we going to get to get all those horses? Right. And of all the things, a horse, like throw a carrot in there or something like what? A horse? Mm. Like how about you train uh, the zombies to eat other zombies? There's a solution. There you go. Oh, yeah. No, I think we're I think you're already like far ahead of any of the characters in this movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> who have had a month to try, try to think through these things. Yeah, this is the best no they joke. came up with. We're going to feed them yeah. our horses and cows and yeah. deer. And, and then once they're they're stronger from having eaten all of this, then... <laughs> right. We'll starve to death. It's no problem. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll teach them marketing. By the way, if they if they do find they eat horses, they were probably going to go to Assateague Island, which was in the Chesapeake Bay, which is lots of wild horses on it. So, So there you go. What do the people talk like there? Uh, there are no people on it. I think. I think it's just the wild horses, if I remember oh. correctly. Well, I'm moving. Oh, what do the wow. horses talk like? <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. anything else about Janet or Jane or uh, any of the other O'Flins? I was annoyed that she got mad because he's like, "You can't shoot them. They're just children." It's like what well, yeah. we did in Dawn of the Dead. So. Mm. Do it again. Well, do we want to move on to another character that I don't necessarily love the character, but I think the uh, I think the the actress portraying her does uh, more than an adequate job because mm-hmm. I kind of like the actress. Uh, let's talk about Athena Karkenis as Tomboy, who we are introduced to in this movie, and uh, this is this is going to be uh, going to be an interesting discussion. So I guess I guess. Uh, George Romero decided that he wanted a, you know, gay character in in one of his movies, sure. and which is fine, you know. In case you didn't know that. she was a lesbian, we're going to remind you, you know, 15 she's times. She's a lesbian. <laughs> don't she's a, don't she, worry, she might, you forget. I'll tell he you. He might as well have made her a vegan, too, because it's like the first oh thing that she God. decides to talk about. Like, oh, yeah, well, thanks. I was going to say that we are introduced to her masturbating in, like, sitting out on the truck in the middle of, like, winter outside of Pittsburgh. With yeah. a bunch of like, kind of uh, you know, homely dudes around, and that is that is kind of our introduction to her. And then, of course, right. yeah, we are immediately we are immediately clued into the fact that she does not like men because Francisco, who I guess we can t- kind of talk about both of them. Francisco, played mm-hmm. by Stefano Di Matteo, is uh, constantly hitting on her and you know trying to trying to get into her pants, but she is uh, you know rejecting him. I will say, uh, yeah, I, there are a lot of problems I have with this character and kind of how it's, she's written and some of her lines, etc. I actually really like her performance in this movie. Yeah, she's good in the movie. The character is very broad, but yeah, she she did a good job. She was likable and you, you were rooting for her and had a feeling she was going to make it to the end, too. That introduction made like it wasn't even like titillating. It wasn't even there was no, no. there was no. I I was trying to like why did he put this in here because it doesn't I I I'm still just confused. She's a lesbian, I, and and yeah. lesbians do that in public. Yeah, oh all my the god, time? All, my oh, lesbian I friends! It. I tell you what, I can't even go out with them at, at no because they're just my god, we're at Disneyland in public. Yeah, I mean, constantly. That's what I was like saying. Like, I don't understand this. This is, doesn't make sense. That was so dumb. I thought that was like just yeah. honestly. I thought it was really degrading to her character. Yeah, I just thought it was just like. And like it was pointless. There's no point of yeah. like why is she because she's a lesbian? Is that what it is? I mean, on it, I just that made yeah. me so mad, and I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it, and I saw it the second time, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was just <laughs> so mad. I did do a double take because I'm like, she can't be doing what I think she's doing because there's no yeah. makes yeah. no sense. It just no, but it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Maybe that's no. the idea. Maybe it's. Oh, society's but that society hasn't collapsed because then they show the guy watching right. Letterman. So it's like, uh It's like it's been a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a long <laughs> month though. Don't we remember the early days of COVID? 
and you yeah. find people masturbating in the streets all the time. Then. So, yeah. at least you know, uh, fun times. At least in my neighborhood. And then the end. That was just you, Paul. <laughs> That's true. <Yes. laughs> it was a rough month. Yes. True. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, like, I actually don't mind like the interplay. I actually kind of like the interplay between these characters because mm-hmm. I think the whole thing about Francisco, like, always trying to like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll change, you know, I'll change your world. I actually kind of like that because it is like a kind of a I guess it's not even sexual tension. It's like the the yeah. antithesis of sexual tension for him. It's sexual tension for her. She has no interest in him. But uh, it, they feel like characters that are like, you know, maybe they've known each other long enough that it's not like creepy like it is kind of that. Yeah, it I didn't both, feel like he you know, was serious that much. Yeah, she wasn't, yeah, exactly. him, yeah. she wasn't taking him seriously. So it wasn't offensive as this is just the banter. I guess they're I guess they're obviously comfortable around each other. But, you know, geez, I don't know. Yeah, I liked their interactions. I liked that yeah. she had a little growth with like, well, not a little growth, but they just made her they just started out like such a such a bad introduction. As yeah. soon as he said that more than once, I knew right away that was going to be. Yeah, his his epitaph, you know, that that. that he was right. going to die and she was going to say, you know, you changed my world or something or, you know, something that was, you know, once it's said twice, it's got to be said a third and final time. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, she, she did have it. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like some of her lines. Like when they're talking about, uh, he's talking about something about like firing up the ferry. I think he's like, says something like, Oh yeah. You know, boats are like women. I've never met one. I couldn't fire up. And she but, says something like, Oh, you've had, you have a better chance of fucking that ferry than you do me. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> So yeah. I, I liked her. Yeah. I really liked her performance. I will say one yeah. other thing I wanted to call out that made <laughs> just no sense to me. And uh, I had to like, <laughs> I had to really like put some <laughs> thought into this because I was like, am I, am I crazy? But um, so when she meets O'Flynn, okay. And actually I think I wrote down the line here uh, when she, she meets O'Flynn and she, he mentions his daughter and right. she, she asks, Oh, is your daughter on the Island? And he says, yeah. And she says, oh, something for both of us to look forward to. And she doesn't even say it in like an especially sexual way. But he immediately says, oh, are you? And then she's like, yeah. And (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. How do you how do you interpret that as like, oh, oh, you're a lesbian? (laughs) Because I'm like, okay, just because like I was taking it like, okay, she's the only female character we've met. Um, Obviously, she's been around all these other like horny dudes for like the last month that have probably you know, been very intent on getting into her pants. So if a woman said that, I'd be like, oh yeah. So obviously you want to like meet someone who's not trying to get into your pants. I'm sure that'll be a nice right. change, but no, he's like, oh, you're, oh, you want to meet my daughter? Ah, oh. uh, lesbian. I see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a lesbian. <laughs> oh, oh, daughter of the as it were. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It was I don't just know. another I, one I of crazy? those. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was like, beat it down in your face. Yeah. Like just in case you forgot. Oh, well, again, yeah. we're talking Romero, you know, master of yeah, subtlety, right, master, right. <laughs> master of nuance. And our character, Tomboy, like, come Tom on. Tomboy. Yeah. Yeah. A little she should have been nose. reminiscing about the last Lilith fair. They didn't give her a butch haircut. They didn't, you know, at least. No, they didn't no, no. Cat. That's they true. Didn't, you know, so, I mean, there, there's that, I guess. Thank God. I, you know, just yeah. to keep it away. But. Uh, she did wear army boots. <laughs> well. <laughs> true. She yeah. was, she was in the military. So that's you know, it, it was not horrible. I mean, I've seen worse attempts to try to be hip and cool and woke but it, it did it just felt it was a little forced and but but at least the character the actress did well by the character and and um got us over that kind of awkward stage mm. yeah 
that, that's one thing, again, I'll say about a lot of these actors. Like, there's a lot of eye-rolling stuff in this movie, but they actually, they're uh, yeah. they're troopers. They do the best they can, so. And, and they got to, you know, you look at the IMDb for these people, you know, these guys are in a lot of stuff. This is not like some of the Romero movies where the only movie that these actors have ever been in is a Romero movie. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're he's shooting in Canada, and a lot of the actors, mm. a lot of these actors, or pretty much all these actors are Canadian, and they are working actors. I did like mm. note. Uh, I don't know if anyone uh, noticed uh, the one of the other actors. I kind of recognize just because he's been in so many things. But one of O'Flynn's guys. Uh, well, the character is James. I don't know if they actually name him, but he's played by Julian Richings. But he's the guy with a kind of like narrow face. You know who I'm talking hey. about? Mm. Yeah, I think I so, do. Yeah, he's been in, I, I looked him up and I was like, man, I know I recognize him. And he's been in, yeah. in a lot of stuff. He has like over 200 IMDb credits. And I didn't note that uh, he was actually in Cube, which is another another great yeah. Canadian movie. Oh, film. great. Yeah, so, it's yeah. a cool Canadian movie. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, he's great. I love that guy. But yeah, pretty much, pretty much all these actors have been in a ton of stuff. In fact, maybe we can also move on to our, our next character who, I don't know if we'll have anything to say about him, but we'll mention uh, Devon Bostic as Boy who, uh, other than this film, I think his crowning achievement is playing Roderick in Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Not my Roderick. Oh. What? I, I look, Go I on. Was, when I looked him up earlier, and I was, like, trying to see, like, you know, just, like, what his other credits were. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, is he the kid that caused all that chaos? And it is. He was the original uh older brother who i guess got replaced at some point and caused massive chaos oh. are we talking about in the movie or are we talking did, about like behind the scenes did he drama? generate that chaos yeah or did was it just generated because he had he had been replaced? it was generated because he was replaced by another actor who didn't really look like him but it wasn't, and- it wasn't him like fomenting that discontent. no 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 oh, it okay. was the fans were freaking yeah. out yeah, because he like, was yeah he was the original Roderick man. Come yeah, on. so that's why they were oh. just freaking out about it. He was also in um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a great series. He's in that weird movie about the giant pig from Korea. Oh yeah, Oja. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I have not seen, but I've heard it's great. Oh, <laughs> it's fun. It's it's good stuff. He's he's another one like I I think that he's again like this character is there's not a whole lot of depth to him but i think he does a pretty good job of you know doing what he can with a script so i don't know if i have a whole lot of i don't know if i have a whole lot to say about him i don't know if you guys have any comments no on he him. was also in land of the dead i guess a different character though oh was he oh. yeah he played someone called brian in land of the dead oh brian <laughs> that is yeah yeah, uh, yeah. interesting no, no i missed that Maybe, yeah I, missed that. I don't know yeah because i mean he, I know, um I, yeah. I know Alan Van Spring was in there too as a different character who dies, but yeah, mm-hmm. I did not know that he was. I like the scene where um, Sarge passes out and he's got to like go do something. Real, he really doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I, I like that complete helplessness that you know he's talking to himself and he's determined to you know take action, but really doesn't know what that action is going to be. I thought that was that was well done. So he, he's likable. Again, the money thing bothers me because the money is just so, such a, not even a MacGuffin. It's nothing. It's stupid. Right. It's a sign these characters are dopey. If they had a, if they had gold, you could say, well, you know what? Even in a post-apocalypse, there's something about gold. Everybody wants gold, but they might as well be Confederate dollars. They might as well, they could be, you know, right. just wheelbarrows full of Venezuelan money. Who cares? <laughs> oh my Worth God. nothing. 
Right. Again, it could be a mistake on the part of the characters and not necessarily a logical mistake. But I think yeah. I'm just I think I'm just I don't think that was the intent. I yeah. think you're right. I think it was just badly written, but it, it still is a potential. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we did talk about this a little bit on in the Land of the Dead episode as well, because kind of one of the one of the subplots of that is that, you know, Dennis Hopper's character has a bunch of money in the end, like he's stuffing money into bags and trying to like get away with it. And we're like, what is he going to do with all this money? Like there's nothing you can do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought it was kind of annoying a little bit, like, but I, you know, typical, I guess, 18 year old. Yeah. Um, I, th- I thought the character was written to be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just hate, I kind of hated the part where it's like, look, I'm so good with a gun. And then it's like, I'm so good with a gun that I'm going to, fire one within two inches of your head it's like come on man that stuff's just dumb oh. and then he thought the zombie was hot it's like come on bro yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of yeah speaking of her being hot yeah they even mention it yeah yeah um one other person i just wanted she to was hot that. for a zombie i mean you know the, the bar is pretty low there <laughs> that's but... true times are tough yeah that's yeah. true again um, it was, it's been a long month you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> one other and yeah I guess I guess like this is like the first I guess the second woman he's seen in a month because he was with uh, he was with all those good old boys before this. And uh, right. yeah, which speaking of, I wanted to mention that credited as gut shot good old boy in this movie is Brian Frank. I just bring him up because I wanted to mention uh, he was in Hell Comes to Frogtown as <gasps> Commander Cody. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, shit. The classic. So, I got nothing, nothing else to say about him or this character other than. You know, he's okay in my book because he was in Hell Comes to He Frogtown. can go to any convention I'm at and I'll buy a headshot from him. He's in yeah. this movie and Hell Comes to Frogtown. I'll buy him a drink. You hear me, Brian Frank? I will buy you a drink. I just want to hear stories about Roddy Roddy Piper and working on oh, a God. movie. Oh, my God. We kind of mentioned him in passing. I guess I'll touch on him one more time as Stefano DiMatteo as Francisco. Kind of liked him. Kind of liked his performance. Like, like I said... Mm-hmm. I think him, the interplay with him between him and Tomboy were pretty good, and I appreciate the fact that uh, he actually kind of his character kind of establishes for the first time ever in the history of I think I think in the history of any of these movies that not only can he become a zombie by getting bitten by a zombie, he can also become a zombie by biting one back. So yeah, yeah. Uh, which is good to know because otherwise yeah. it'd be like you know there's not a lot of food out here, but there's a lot of zombies. Mm. could we i mean is it technically cannibalism once they've turned to zombies i don't know it's a good question yeah, I'm, yeah. i wouldn't touch it i wouldn't chance no it. but you know in a yeah. lot of cultures they age meat and and you know like if you go to canada believe it or not you go to canada montreal and you go into a meat shop they have something that you would never see in america which is like a big slab of meat there and it's moldy on the outside. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, hey, how does this pass inspection? And you're just supposed to cut the mold away and mm. eat the aged, rotting meat, I guess, that's underneath it. And, um, yeah, it's a kind of dry aging. And um, the mold actually keeps it from spoiling, <laughs> which is an interesting <laughs> definition of not spoiled. But okay. Well, I mean, salami <laughs> yeah. is fermented meat. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, yeah okay, salami is so. fermented. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I. I, I would. I would sooner eat a live person than I would a zombie if I had to choose between the two. I'm just saying. But you know, wow. it could be like it could be like was it kindiru? You know, which you get the equivalent of uh, Creutzfeldt Jakob disease, basically by eating the brains of people who already oh, have it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, 
I don't recommend you eat brains of anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, scrape Jacob Kurtzfeld, Kuru. Yeah, yeah, they're just, you know. One more thing about, um, was it, what was the guy's name again when we were just talking about? Oh, uh, Francisco? Uh, Francisco, yeah. Um, yeah. That that scene with the, where he's swimming, though, that, to me, that was, I thought that was probably yeah. the most effective scene in the film. Mm. I really, yeah. I mean, to me, that was like, wow, this is good. I, re- I mean, to me, that was tense. It was, uh, I, I, I really thought that was yeah. probably one of the best scenes in the film uh, to me. But that's, yeah. there you go. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm terrified of the water. I don't like swimming in the water, especially if I can't like see what's in it. So, oh my god, yes. yeah, yeah, right, right. I'm afraid a crab is going to grab my toes, much less zombies. So. <laughs> so, I think we've talked about all the characters and actors we care to, but maybe we have some other undead characters to talk about in our next section, the dead. And as always, this is just where we talk about zombies, and I think we've already touched on a lot of the zombie stuff. So I guess I guess the real question here is, do we feel like this movie kind of lines up with the rules that are set forth in the other movies, or do we feel like it's kind of branching off into its own thing? Because I know Diary was just kind of like going back to the original you know, the, the original outbreak, but it wasn't necessarily supposed to be in a different universe. But now we have Muldoon trying to train the zombies to eat animals, something we haven't seen before. So I don't know. I don't know. Do you guys think that this is, does this feel like its own thing? Or does, does this feel like uh, he's he's making up new rules? I don't know. It seemed, hmm. I mean, we had in in day, we had um, the, the doctor trying, you know, feeding feeding them treats. Now, granted, they weren't animals. You know, well, I guess human hmm. is animal, but, you know. But but it just seems sort of an extension of that. It didn't seem like it was changing anything, at least to me. I mean, these people wouldn't know what else was going on, so they're just trying this, right? It's not necessarily something they were succeeding at till the end when she bites the horse. But yeah. yeah, I don't know why they missed a sure bet by having Muldoon feeding them bits from the people that O'Flynn was sending them to the island. You know, right. well, that I think cause he, because his goal was to see if they could find a source that wasn't people. Yeah, like maybe. Oh, maybe we can wean them off of eating people. How do you get, how do you get the missus to? Turn. How do you get the missus to scramble eggs and you know the postman? In a, in a way, she it, was actually it, cooking, was she? I think she was just like in the kitchen, like pretending to cook the same way like the postman oh, was yeah. pretending to deliver mail. Well, that's a that's lot like, less gross. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. But you know, the postman was about as efficient as mine. So. <laughs> Got him. The. The um, you know, it just feels like this is consistent with what we saw in um, uh, Land of the Dead, where they're kind of going through the motions that they're used to. So yeah, the postman would do that. Didn't even need to be trained, really. It just mm-hmm. feels a little weird that they're doing it so early. In mm-hmm. the you know it, the the feeling we got is that by Land of the Dead, we're years in the future, and the zombies have kind of had time to go through a, a childhood, really, and and begin to maybe smarten up a bit. And in Day of the Dead, it looks like it took a tremendous amount of work to get Bub to where he was. But meanwhile, these bozos on an island managed to pretty much achieve all the same thing. Just I didn't think they had trained them. I thought on the island it was more akin to what was going on in in, uh, Dawn of the Dead, which is the, you know, in Dawn of the Dead, they return to the the mall because that's where they were, and they just kind of do the same thing of wandering around the mall and as if they were shopping. This is the same thing. Hmm. 
the postman is just wandering around. They didn't really have him trained. They have him chained up so they don't get away. But they don't really have him trained. Uh, at least that's mm-hmm. how I took it. Because they weren't doing anything war- useful. They were just wandering back and forth. So Yeah, I thought it was how- like one of those muscle memory kind of things they had alluded yeah. to. Yeah, so I just took it as just a, a, a similar to what was going on with, with Dawn. But then again, so then to me, then it was like, well, there's nothing new here, actually. It's not yeah. that they're changing the rules. It's just... We've seen this. We've seen this. We've done that. There was nothing. He wasn't trying anything new. And again, he's jumping back towards the beginning of it. So he couldn't really do it. You know, with he could he could kind of change the rules as they went along, because, like we said, they're evolving. You know, that's yeah. that, that was what their kind of excuse. But if you jump back to the earlier, you can't change those rules. So it just seemed like it was sort of the same thing um, to me, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that really felt different was the whole, like, eating animals thing, which it's not like they're even doing anything, like, other than having them, like, in a pen with an animal. It's not like they're doing anything to train them. So I thought it was kind of weird that, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, now they'll yeah. attack and eat an animal, whereas, like, I'm sure that there would have been other instances where zombies would have, like, been in proximity to an animal that they could have tried to eat. I don't know. But maybe we just haven't yeah. seen that in the other movies. That whole, yeah, it just didn't make any sense at all. Because yeah, it's like, we'll starve me. them until they eat animals. Okay. Right. To what end? Because then you're going to, like, let them out, and then they're going to be around people again, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, and I mean, we're... presumably, like, most zombies after, like, especially in, like, day and land would be that starved, because at that point, there are no, like, people. All the people have kind mm-hmm. of hunkered down. It's not like a majority right. of the zombies are actually able to find people to eat anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I did want to mention a couple things dead related. We kind of talked about how there are a lot of stupid bits in this movie. And I I personally (laughs) hate that. And I wanted to like go down the list of things that I hate about all the, all the bits that they do. So here, here are all the things that I really despise about this movie. Uh, We have a fire extinguisher zombie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The eyes pop out. Like I guess putting the, the end of a fire extinguisher in someone's mouth. I guess just the pressure makes their whole head explode. I don't yeah, know. Have you tried it? Have you tried it? Well, you know, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. I think but... you could cause very serious damage to someone doing that, but they're not going to turn into a Tex Avery cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, that's actually a good point. That's that's actually another, like, very cartoony thing. That mm-hmm. along with the, uh, yeah, when he throws the, the hand grenade, the, the wall's just falling down. Yeah. Um, zombie with a wiener fork in his head. Very stupid. <laughs> yeah also again like a zombie i hate i hate how especially in the last couple of movies zombies will just spontaneously show up right behind someone just to give someone a chance to like kill them and Mm. save their life so because i think that happens in i think in uh in land there's like the scene where you know someone shoots right over someone's it looks like someone's about to shoot someone but it turns out they're actually shooting over their shoulder to kill a zombie yeah. And then uh, this actually isn't really zombie related, but I, I kind of wrote it in this section. But uh, there, there's they even does a stupid bit at the end where there's like the guy gets his foot caught in a rope and then like the zombies <laughs> caught in the other end. He falls down. Yeah. The guy gets like, yeah, very, very stupid. <laughs> and then I also wanted to mention, finally, the zombie, this, uh, zombie that gets a flare to the head. So Sarge <laughs> shoots the flare in his face. I think just kind of walks over and lights a cigarette on it. So that was yeah. pretty, pretty dumb. The zombie just kind of yeah. stands there. Totally. I did want to mention, I didn't seen the Philip Noyce film Dead Calm with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Way back when. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Do you guys remember the end of that movie? Where do you remember how Billy Zane dies in that movie? Oh, I'm assuming, presumably, the same way. Yeah, yeah that's the, it reminded Shut me of that because, yeah, Billy up. Zane, sorry, apologies for those of you who uh, have gone through life without seeing Dead Calm, but we're just about to watch it. And <laughs> I've now spoiled Spoilers. it for you. But yeah, mm. I think Sam Neill, like, shoots, uh, Sam Neill or Nicole Kidman, like, shoot him, shoot <laughs> the, uh, the, the flare into his face, and it, like, basically does the same thing to his head. Right. So, but that was kind of <laughs> funny. Yeah. But see, also, see all these, oh, good. Uh, no, I was just going to say, loop, loop, looping back to our original film, because uh, the first film we ever covered, because Dead Calm, written by Terry Hayes of Mad Max fame. Sorry, go ahead, oh. Bill and or Paul. Well, what I was going to say was all these things that you're saying, these are things you hated. And you're like, these stupid bits. To me, these were all to me. These were all the things that almost kind of endeared the film to me, not because I thought they were funny and really liked them. They were, they were kind of like little chuckles. It was to me, they were all symptoms of Romero doesn't give a flying fuck at this point. He's like. <laughs> This is, you know what? Fuck you. This is what I want to do. I'm just going to fuck it. I want to do a fun bit here because you know what? I did a film where I tried to do sort of like anthology of bits and it, it, okay, it was a hot mess and it was a piece of garbage, uh, you know, the previous film because, you know, we kind of talked about it. It was just yeah. like little disconnected bits. He's like, fuck it. All right. I'm just going to throw bits in here because you know what? That's what I want. It's fun. I don't care. And so to me, it actually almost kind of, that's what endeared the film to me was, again, it was just to me it was a sign of romero just going eh, i'm gonna have fun so yeah i was so annoyed by everyone that it kind of made me laugh when those stupid things yeah. happen like they were dumb but they were funny dumb but these, these bits don't work for me the way I, I can see where he's going because remember we went to a convention and there was um machete zombie from dawn of the dead was there and helicopter zombie from dawn of the dead was there <laughs> These these characters, we remember these deaths and everything. They're like bits, but they made sense. They weren't bits just for the sake of being bits. It was just, you know, they were creative and they and they made sense within the context of the film. And this was just clearly so you could call him, you know, a flaming zombie, hot dog zombie, fire extinguisher zombie, you know, um, and it, the zombies. The zombies in this film are pretty interchangeable. And, and, and look, I've always argued it didn't make a whole lot of sense in Dawn of the Dead that you had, you know, a Harry Krishna zombie and a wet and a bridal zombie and a clown zombie and all this. Because in real life, when you walk down the street, you almost never actually run into in one day a Harry Krishna, a woman in a bridal dress and a clown. You know, pretty much everyone is just dressed like regular people. So it makes more sense that the zombies you would see would look pretty much like the zombies in this movie. But also, you know, in real life, you don't run into any zombies at all. So I kind of like, the, you know, the village people aspect of running into, hey, here's one dressed up like an Indian. Um, that, that's kind of fun. And I thought they just didn't have a lot of personality here. They're only the only way you even remember them is how they die. You know, it just it didn't do it for me. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting that you mentioned the, you know, the, stu the stuff from Dawn, because even though I hate all the bits at the end of that movie, I guess there are some kind of very notable zombies that don't feel like at a place like the helicopter zombie thing. Like that's kind of funny, but it's also, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's like, it doesn't feel like there should be a, a slide whistle playing when that happens, which is, I feel like you should put, yeah. you, they could have put a slide whistle over most of these other things. Cause they right. were kind of like, I don't know. He is kind of winking at the audience. Whereas that one was just kind of like a funny, like, Oh, the zombie's going to get them and they don't hear it because of the, the helicopter blades. But luckily it you know steps up and gets zombies are off. stupid and they get chopped yeah. off and you've never seen that before and you'll never see it again so there you yeah. go yeah 
mean, no, no, I, I fully agree that these these don't fit seem to fit organically in the story. But again, to me, it was just a matter of him going, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, which I think I think it was and, at this point. That's exactly yeah. what he and I don't even know if he was doing like what Bill was saying in terms of saying, here, I want to make this zombie that's going to be kind of iconic. We can call no, I think it was just more like, and eh, this would be a fun gag. You know, how can we get it? You know, I want to have him light a cigarette off a flaming zombie. OK, here, we'll do this. You know, I mean, that is kind of the fun thing of making a zombie movie is that you can destroy, kill a bunch of people without any guilt whatsoever. You know, there, there's it's like well, he, robots. He, you don't have to have a zombie movie to do it without guilt. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Oh, sure. Well, anyway, never mind. Yeah, I didn't say real. Are we recording. Better delete that. Can you delete yeah. that? Uh-huh. That wasn't me. No, don't no, worry. no, I'll that was, right that, was, that was Renee said that. Oh, <laughs> yes. She's a ventriloquist. Like yeah. Well, I don't know anything else we have to say I'm about so the dead. This your mom. Ooh. <laughs> well, she's probably listening. So yeah. probably knows. I'm trying to think other. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think they are kind of interchangeable, even though they do they kill them in different. Ways. Okay, the, the the other thing I guess it, it ties into the the whole plot in terms of a lot of the other films, aside from the previous one, were were variations on siege films, right? I mean, they were siege yeah. films one way or another. This one, it, they really aren't under siege. It's in fact, it was, I was like trying to. I can't remember at this point where did all those zombies come from at the end? Were those ones they had penned up? And yeah, then they, they just let them, them out. They had yeah, them in the so, corral. Yeah, so it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like a siege. It was they were they, yeah, somebody let them out of the corral. It was like you had a, it was like you had a, a compound of tigers, and then somebody you know like and the, and then somebody like an idiot left the gate open, and mm-hmm. I, and and so it was interesting. It had just had a different feel. Um, the, now, the which whole, is that whole, how many really times have we a, done that? I, have I really we done want to make a parody now just called Zombie King? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is, you know, it's it's kind of good that it wasn't a, a, a siege film like the other ones. But in terms of but they still had to have that sort of same finale of everyone getting overrun by zombies. Right. So it's like, uh, so we got a big pen full of them and uh, they get out. There you go. They don't just get out, they're they're let out, which is, you know, something that we see a lot in these movies where when the supposed good guys are having a hard time with the bad guys, they solve the problem by letting in the zombies. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of, how's that going to work out? Yeah. And then then they have the thing at the end. Here's another thing I understand at the end. They're like, you know, deciding whether or not to take the boat and go. And, but I'm going to stay, you know, we have this island. And then all of a sudden they're on the boat going. I'm like, oh, okay, well. I guess that conflict was solved. Um, why do we even waste time discussing whether or not we're going to go? You made a compelling case to stay here, but then I guess you decided, no, nope, we're going to take the money and run. And yeah. To where? Well, speaking of the dead, then we also, the final shot, we get the very on the nose, like, yeah, George, we yeah. get it. But the, the two feuding, the, the, the two feuding old men who are even in death right. still trying to kill each other. And also, the moon is about to crash into the earth, ending this whole thing. So. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually, uh, it's all part of the the new cinematic universe. This is actually part right. of uh, a series with Moonfall opening this Moonfall, Friday. Moonfall, yes, <laughs> everywhere. Friday. Hey, yeah. hey, just just uh, FYI, does that look like the biggest piece of crap you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> well, I, I think I'd be more interested if they didn't like seem to give away a large portion of the plot in the trailer. They do, like and the was... portion that they give away is terrible. It just looks yeah. bad. Like everything yeah. about this yeah. movie sounds 
like you 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 took uh, save the cat and fed it into a computer and it spit out this well, this here, plot for you. Here's the funny thing. I mean, much like George Romero, Roland Emmerich has basically been making the same movie for the last thirty years. Unfortunately, after Independence Day, they were all shit. So yeah. Yeah. And, and this is the guy who has the balls to complain that the Marvel movies are ruining film as we know it. It's like, okay, dude, when you say something like that, <laughs> you'd better, your next movie had better be The Deer Hunter or something, not Moonfall. I'm sorry, did, did Roland Emmerich say that? I believe so. I thought I saw an interview oh God. You know, where, where he was complaining okay. about how Marvel movies just, you know, don't really, that's not real filmmaking. A real filmmaking is about the moon falling into nanites or whatever the hell it is. It just, Oh my God. All right. Well, actually, you know, bringing it all the way back to uh, day after tomorrow. Cause uh, you know, mm. directed that one. So that's right. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up now because I'd be impressed that the guy who directed uh, 10,000 <laughs> BC and Godzilla 98 is complaining about modern filmmaking. Anyway, oh, as long as you brought, as you brought that up, let me just say he, he also, they had an interview with him where he talked about how he never really wanted to make Godzilla that he, he kind of uh, got yeah. forced into I it. I hate it when Hollywood makes me make like a hundred million dollar movie, right? I mean, it's like, guys, right. come on. I got, I other like, like, I mean, the this. impression, I, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. Maybe I misinterpreted, but the impression I got from it is like they, they wanted him to make this movie. He totally did not want to make this movie. So he, he basically says like, well, I'll make it, but it's got to be about a giant lizard that doesn't look anything really much like Godzilla. And he doesn't breathe fire thinking to himself, well, there's no way they're going to make it. But they put him in a fine bucket of syrup because they said, yes, go with that. And then he had no choice but to make this movie he didn't want to make. I mean, OK, uh, Roland, I'm sorry. By that point, Roland Emmerich had been working in Hollywood long enough to know that if you go in and pitch some Hollywood executives the worst possible idea, there's a 50-50 chance they're going to jump at it and be like, sure, do it. Yeah, so, had me at <laughs> not Godzilla. Anyway, <laughs> okay, we're, we're gonna let's table this conversation. I, I at some point, at some <laughs> point in this podcast, we're gonna do a whole episode about Godzilla '98, which is just gonna be Bill ranting oh, for like two God. hours. But yeah. <laughs> I think that this is some interesting stuff. So we'll get back to this at some point. Hashtag <laughs> not my Godzilla. <laughs> not my Godzilla. Not, not my Godzilla. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So actually, Gino. actually, that is that. There's a, there's a great version of it in uh, um, uh, Godzilla Final Wars where. Where where yeah. Zilla yeah, goes up know. against him and and Godzilla kills it in like seconds and the aliens like I knew the tuna eating monster was worthless, but I, I just want to say before before we move on, um, USA Today, the paper of record in the United States, uh, actual <laughs> article uh, posted seven hours ago, Moonfall. Could the moon hit Earth? We fact check Roland Emmerich's new disaster movie. Hey, let me save you the time. Okay, let me save you the time. No, nothing in this movie will ever happen absolutely nothing the most realistic thing is Halle Berry as an astronaut (laughs) sleep soundly tonight my friends thank you so much yeah good god (laughs) oh man all right Um. well Let's just, you know, we could just talk for the next hour about Roland Emmerich and just make this. Well, well let me let me Roland just say, Emmerich. let me just give you the quote then, and then I'll stop. I promise I will oh, stop. Please, yeah. Roland Emmerich quote: Marvel movies and Star Wars are ruining our industry a little bit. Okay, a little bit. Ruining yeah. the move, the like, film industry. Sounds like someone's just jealous that Independence Day Resurgence wasn't the uh, box office hit that. No, he, he it really, it really it wasn't. No. 
Anyway, speaking of box office hits, well, actually, we're not speaking of a box office hit tonight, but we were talking about Survival of the Dead, which uh, made about $386,000 at the box office. So, which is, I guess, more than a hit than, you know, some movies that I've been involved with. But our next section, so every single episode, we've kind of done like a final kind of section where we talk about anything behind the scenes or location related. And I guess this one we can call appropriately enough the Island of Romero. Although I don't actually have anything for this section because I think we already kind of touched on a lot of the stuff that, you know, I probably would have brought up in here. This film was shot in Canada, although, of course, like his other films, it's actually set near Pittsburgh because you can see at the beginning there where uh, when mm-hmm. we when we the scene where we see Tomboy uh, masturbating in the Jeep, we see, uh, in fact, we see that it is outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because it says that on screen. But uh, yeah, so this was shot in in uh in canada and he's obviously still kind of attached to pittsburgh though because he's kind of saying that it's set in that area i don't have anything really to say about any of the crew any of the behind the scenes stuff does anyone have anything to say here or really (laughs) great Hmm. okay (laughs) no yeah Cool. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think the I think all the stuff I would have to say here we've are actually kind of already talked about in diary a little bit because mm-hmm. a lot of the I think a lot of the stuff applies to this. I think the crew was pretty much the same for this one. So if we don't have anything else to say, then we can move on to our final section, which is well, actually, I'm sorry, we actually have one other section to talk about, and I do have something to say for this one. Uh, we have the legacy and franchise section. And obviously, in terms of franchise, this was the sixth and final film of the Living Dead series. It was about 40 years in the making. Obviously, mm. the first movie came out in 68. Mm. This movie came out in 2009. So a little over 40 years. Now, I do think it was kind of interesting. I can't think of any other director, and I don't know if you guys can, but mm. uh, I can't think of any other director that started and ended his career in the same series, which I is definitely notable. Started it doesn't, and ended. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the same series, obviously, because it's evolved so much. But yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, even if Romero had made additional movies, though, that would actually probably still be true because he actually wanted to make two more movies, or at least that's kind of what he talked about in some of the interviews that he was doing around the time this one came out. It sounds like he had... And we've kind of mentioned before that he had a ton of other zombie movies that never got made, but he apparently had like mm-hmm. kind of two follow-ups to this. And he actually mentioned in one of the interviews I read that he wanted to just shoot them back to back and basically make a, another quadrilogy. So he wanted basically the original four, or the, which is you know the first three plus land to kind of be its own thing. And then Diary, Survival, and then there would be two other sequels to these. And that would kind of be a second quadrilogy. Obviously, he never got to make them. He passed away in 2017. But I thought that was kind of interesting that he he still, even, uh, you know, even in his later in his life, he was he kind of had this resurgence starting with land and he made two more movies and he wanted to make two more. So obviously he was not done uh, with filmmaking if uh, if he had probably lived longer or if he had, you know, his health had allowed for it. So anyone have anything to say about legacy or franchise? I don't. I, I don't personally feel like this film has a huge legacy, but <laughs> right. you can, feel free to argue. <laughs> no, I don't think it's Hold even <laughs> known. It's really known that much. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, to have much of a legacy. You know, the only other the only other director I can think of that you can make the argument for, and I think you got to be a little loosey goosey to make the argument, would be um, Ishiro Honda, because Godzilla was not his first movie, but it was darn close to his first movie, and you know, within like a year or so, and his last full uh, finished film was um, Terror of Mechagodzilla. I believe hmm. was the last one that he that he worked on. Although he he also amazingly, and people don't realize this, he worked on some Kurosawa films. Um, oh, okay. He he actually by the time they were making Dreams, Kurosawa was blind. So hmm. uh, Honda, which shows you the respect that that I mean, Kurosawa is one of the greatest directors who ever lived in the top five, and uh, the respect that he had for this man. Yeah, uh, we we think of him as a monster movie director, but he had a lot of skills. But yeah, this is still it's still something you got. Godzilla was a great movie, uh, but it didn't create a genre. Romero created a genre, created a section of the the video store aisle. Um, he, it's it's you know, and, and it's not like well, you know, someone was going to make a vampire movie, even if it wasn't going to be Dracula or something. I don't know. You know, is it would there have been a zombie apocalypse thing if if there hadn't been neither living dead. I don't see why there would be. It would, that idea just just came out at the right time, hit the right way, and and everything kind of snowballed from there. And maybe there would have been, but I don't know. Zombies were not monsters that anyone gave a rat's ass about. And it wasn't until he combined it with ghouls and cannibals and creepy whatever viruses and stuff that we, we got all this. So, I mean, Romero's just got to get full credit, but that being said, I don't think survival of the dead is anything. By the time it came out, it was just another in a seemingly endless bunch of variations on the theme and nothing, nothing special groundbreaking or terribly notable about it. There were other, there were better zombie movies that came out in that time period. I'd have to look and see, what was coming out in 2008, 2009, 2010. But. No, I was just going to say, just just speaking of the timeline, it's actually very interesting to note. So this came out on home video August 24th, 2010. And on October 31st, 2010, was when The Walking Dead premiered. So ah. yeah, it's kind of an interesting contrast. Of course, that took off and for a couple of years was one of the biggest shows on TV. So sorry, Paul, what were you going to say? Say this film to me feels like a coda. Feels like a coda. Feels doesn't feel like it's really even part of a, a main mm-hmm. thing. It's just like it's this. It's this sort of almost a side story. It's it's kind of inconsequential. It doesn't really say you know. Regardless of what what Romero wants to say with it, doesn't really seem to say a lot with it. It was sort of like it's just kind of there. It's a nice little kind of like oh I'm gonna do a, a smaller zombie film. The last one was piece of garbage, so I'll do one that at least is less of a piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> arguably um and you know because i mean the last one was he was dealing in a, a genre he didn't normally deal with a format at least the found footage and he's like i'll go back to a traditional film with this i don't know to me that's what it felt like it was sort of this quieter yeah. as it was a, a smaller quieter zombie film and it kind of did because it felt like the zombie threat was you know like i said the other ones are all more like siege films this one again. It, I said tigers. It would be. It's like I'm. We're living somewhere where there are tigers, but we can still survive. We're fine. We just kind of keep an eye out for them. You don't have a lot. You know, once they get to the island, it's not a lot of, um, 
there, there's not a lot of like zombie action at that point yeah. really. So it's, it's just kind of like this, this quieter coda is what I think it is. Yeah. Although I think, I think he actually regarding Dire of the dead, I think he actually liked that movie. In fact, I, I think at one point I read an interview, I cannot tell you like what time it was from, but I think he said something about like, in in like, in a way that was like actually his favorite out of the, all the zombie movies he had made. So hmm. I don't think he had the, I think he actually preferred that way more than we did. I mean, when you look at this, the time of 2009, when it came out is also the year that um, zombie land came out and yeah. watching zombie land and then watching this. Yeah. Come on. There's no comparison. Zombie land yeah. isn't trying to be profound. It's not trying to be yet. I find Zombieland to be the characters more compelling, you know, the statements it makes. You could you could make some social arguments about what a Zombieland show. I think it just does a better job because it's less ham-handed. It's got a genuinely funny script and it's it's technically perfect. You know, I, I feel bad about that because I want, you know, it would be great if Romero started the whole thing and went out absolutely on top and and we were like just thinking, "Damn, I'm I wish he been able to make a few more I, I don't think there's any real reason to think had he lived and i wish he had and i wish he'd kept on making movies that they they would have been great i don't see yeah. any particular reason to think that that's the funny thing about reading that he wanted to make two more because like a part of me is like oh well i'm kind of glad he didn't because then i there would be <laughs> two more of these things that i would have had to kind of be disappointed by but at the back of your mind, you're always like, ah, oh, but yeah, what if he had actually like rediscovered that magic and yeah. actually made something that was like worthy of his name? So what if he decided to do something like totally off the beaten path, like Pontypool from 2008? Oh, yeah. my something God. that like radically just reimagined the whole thing. Yeah, I think now, I think in a way, ever... though. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, would they let him do it? Probably not. They, this is probably what they wanted. And this is what yeah. they would fund. I think I think in a way like he <laughs> kind of seemed trapped by his own creation, it, yeah. you know, because it seemed like he was very determined to. Well, he you know he said that basically they only got he only got money to make zombie movies, so that was kind of the only kind of movie he could make. But he also seemed kind of determined to kind of continue to make zombie movies, kind of like in this lane. Which not that there's anything wrong with it, but like you said, <laughs> like by the time this movie came out, they were already people were already making all these movies that were, and I guess you could kind of say that, you know, there's, there's a kind of a, a timeline of kind of any genre where it comes out and it's very serious and it's, uh, especially with horror, like it's shocking. And then at some point you get to the point where they're like kind of parroting it or making comedy movies. And, you know, it's kind of this, this interesting like evolution. And so he had, he had already kind of reached that point where he was still making these movies, but yeah, they were still, they were, making movies like Zombieland or Shaun of the Dead. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I laughed a little bit because when you said Pontypool, I, in my brain I always get Pontypool and Booty Tang. Both <laughs> <laughs> brilliant films. So yeah. I had a moment of, of George Romero making a Booty Tang. <laughs> uh, both wow. brilliant films in their own right, I gotta yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Cool. Well, I know we've we've kind of probably already telegraphed our, our final thoughts a little bit throughout this episode, as we always do. But let's bring it all back and get to our final section, rantings and rankings. 
where we kind of give our final our final thoughts on this movie. We'll kind of go off on whatever rants we feel like we maybe haven't already done. And then we are going to slap it with a final ranking. Uh, we're going to give it out of five VHS tapes as always. And I don't know, let's, let's, I'm going to roll the dice here and, oh, it came up uh, with Renee. So let's go to Renee first. Oh. Don't ask to have a dice with your name on it. It's kind of weird, but why don't you kick us off? That would be, uh, I feel like I'd be in one of those like murder movies, like Saw and things just wouldn't work out well if I didn't want to put <laughs> yeah. dice. So coincidentally, um, a couple actors in this movie were in uh, various Saw movies, so. <gasps> dun, dun, yeah. dun. Oh, that reminds me. I usually like to have a fun fact or two. I have no fun facts um, on this movie, <laughs> but okay. I will say a little, a little tiny fun thing I have is because, you know, I, I love my connections. Julian Richings, who we mentioned earlier, he was in, this one's for Paul, he was in one episode of Maniac Mansion. Mm. Yeah. And he was in Kingdom Hospital with Stephen King. Oh. Yeah. Got to have a Stephen King connection somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. George Romero has a Stephen King mention. Uh, Stephen King mention. Stephen King <laughs> connection. I don't. I'm not even saying words at this point. Dimensions. Just, yeah. yeah, he's in the Stephen King dimension. So. Yeah. So I I uh, thought that was fun. Anyway, um, oh boy, this movie is it's kind of a hot mess. But you know, like when we were talking about the kills and stuff earlier, the kills didn't bother me so much because the movie was already kind of bad. Um. Whereas, like, if they had done one of the, like, if they did the fire extinguisher in Dawn of the Dead, I would have died. Um, yeah. Because that would have just been so dumb. But here, it really didn't bother me that much, because I think I was just kind of expecting something dumb to happen. And I don't know, I don't really know why, but I just guess, it, you know, it just kind of seemed like the theme of the movie. Yeah, I thought a lot of the characters were just such shitholes. And it was just like these two, it's just these, it's all about these, just like these two guys that are just having an argument. And one of them just wants to be told that he's right. And I hate it so much because, you know, it's just typical dick wagon nonsense. But the scenery was really beautiful. Um, <laughs> and I do like horses. So, you know, that was, that was a thing. Yeah. It comparatively though, I, you know, I think diary was poorly acted and, and boring and this was the acting was much better and it was not as boring you know there were some entertaining moments like the little uh, you know you kind of wait to the very end to get to like the little cowboy shoot off you know kind of thing which was again had some totally dumb moments but you know whatever dumb doesn't really stand out so much when it's yeah. in a crowd of dumb so yeah it wasn't i it, i obviously i didn't love this movie i didn't hate it but i didn't love right. it i think I would give this, hmm, I'm going to give this two and a half VHS tapes. Nice. Well, let's see here. Uh, I've rolled my dice again, and uh, it's come up Paul this time, which again, please don't ask me why I have this dice, but Paul, <laughs> you want to give us your, your final thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, like I said, uh, I, I, I found it oddly charming. And again, I don't know, maybe I'm just reading into it. Again, it was the zero fucks given ad aspect, at least how I interpreted it. Um, and if I had watched this, if this came directly after, you know, Day of the Dead, I'd been like, oh my God, what a piece of crap. What a letdown. <laughs> but after after Land and then the descent into Diary, 
just like, oh, you know, it's it's not another piece of shit. It's not bad. It's it's there's there's a lot of faults, and especially like I said after what Renee brought up. Wow, you know, I'm like wow, yeah, actually, those characters are utter garbage, but they're they're charming garbage. I like even even Muldoon, mm-hmm. who was the mustache twirling villain, <laughs> as it were. You know, I mean, if he had even that much of a dimension to him was there was still this weird charm to it i don't know maybe i was just in a weird mood when i watched it if i watched it again i'd be maybe like you know committing harry carry but right now it's it's uh i'm like i could probably watch this again if i needed to i didn't i mean i you guys watched it a couple times i only watched it once because i'm a slacker but uh mm. i if i had to watch it again i, I wouldn't mind it so uh you know it, like i said i think it's it, like i said it's it's a sort of this like it's sort of like a little coda. It's like a little uh, having a little sorbet for dessert instead of having, you know, <laughs> a big, big, you know, Sunday or something. And so it's just, just sort of a little wrap up. And and so to me, that's whatever it is. And it's probably higher than the desserts, but I'd, I think I'd give it a three VHS tapes. You know, if I watch it again, maybe I'd knock some of those off, but uh, mm-hmm. solid three out of five for me right now. I'm feeling good mood and cherry. cherry mm. bill, so. Impressive. All right. Well, Bill, do you want to go next? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna roll the. Not dice gonna roll again. the dice for me. Snake yeah. eyes. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's actually just Paul and Renee on there for some reason, so which makes <laughs> it over, wow. almost creepier. But that, yeah. that is yeah. savor sacrifice. Mm. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I'll, whatever, whatever I gave diary, I'll I'll kick in another half the tape. That probably boosts this to a three <laughs> or something. I guess maybe a three. Um. Because it's way better than Diary. It's it, the characters are more fun, and more stuffs. It's just, I, yeah. I, the more I think about Diary, the less I like it. This one is not everything it could be, but there's a story, and there's good actors, and maybe their accents are a little bad, but the actors are good, and they the characters, you know, are are fun. I don't like what happens with some of them. I, you know, I just feel like I feel like this needed another pass on the script stage to, to really bring it all together and, and have something else. But maybe this was as good as it was going to get at this point. And I would, again, I would have been happy to, if Romero could have made a few more stories like this and we just get a, a Romero zombie movie now and again, but the genre had moved on and, and now we'd had Shaun of the Dead which is a great zombie movie and, mm. and a funny comedy. And we had Zombieland, which was a good zombie movie, a, a funny comedy, some good action stuff. We had Pontypool, which was intellectual. We had <laughs> The Walking Dead, which took all this stuff and just, mm. you know, ramped up the kills and the gore and, and so many characters. I mean, the, the genre had just moved beyond what Romero was, was able to deliver at this point or what he was allowed to deliver. Um, you know, but all right. So that's that's the story, and it's it's not the happiest ending in the world, but it's not the saddest either. At least George lived long enough that he was able to go to conventions and have people like me bend over and ki- kiss his patootie for <laughs> for you know bringing us so much joy in our lives. He you know that man never had to buy another drink or a meal in his life. Um, you know, we loved him, and he he knew that he was loved. I'm sure, like all artists, he had regrets that there were projects that never got done and everything else that's just the nature of things but at least he saw you know his contributions to film especially horror films is uh, he's on the mount rushmore if you got the mount rushmore of Ooh. horror people you know the horror directors 
you can argue about a few of them. I yeah. don't see any way you don't have George peering out at us. Uh, the other three we can argue, but uh, Romero's there for sure. Um, that, that's a lot to say. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this is not the sad. Uh, we're, so we've come to the end of our journey through Romero zombie movies. And if it's not the, you know, leaving on a triumphant note, it's not leaving on the totally sad note that we'll have one day when we do the films of Dario Argento. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Get ready. So thanks, George, if you're listening here. Thanks for all the the cool stuff. Thanks for all that wonderful movies. Thanks for, uh, you know, inspiring people like me to make our own movies. Because the great thing about zombie movies is you say, I can do a zombie movie. I mean, I mean, I can't do a werewolf. I know what it would look like, a mascot, a bad mascot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if I can get a castle to make a good vampire movie or something. My God, I can do a zombie movie. Who can't? Anyone can make a zombie movie. It's great. That's It's punk rock. It's punk rock for movie making. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> most of them, most punk rock is God awful. But. Sometimes, you know, you get to be in a band and hang out with your friends and do some cool stuff. And, you know, occasionally a decent song pops out of that kind of vibe. So, yeah, that's my feeling. I think that is the most insightful metaphor <laughs> for zombie films. <laughs> that is so yeah. accurate. Really? Oh, <laughs> I got my so moments. Accurate, man. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. zombie films are the punk rock of the, the film world. Mm. Yeah. Well... Man, now I kind of feel like an asshole because I think uh, I think I actually have the low score tonight. <laughs> so I will say, kind of score over here. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I I will kind of repeat a lot of what you guys have already said. I mean, I think that this film is definitely not the worst of the bunch. I think that you know, Diary kind of took that. I'm actually kind of glad he did make another one now because if Diary had been the last one, uh, that mm. that probably would have been a little more depressing than this one because yeah. this does feel. This does feel, you know, I said about Diary, it feels like someone who grew up watching Romero movies and is now making a pale imitation. Like, to me, at least this one kind of feels like a Romero movie. I think that, you know, even though I hate a lot of the bits, I think they still feel very Romero-esque. I mean, a couple other notes, and this is kind of an aside, but there were a couple other things that kind of bothered me about this that uh, I didn't get a chance to mention. So I'll just mention them now to kind of frame my, my rating. But I had a note that said, uh, Romero seems fascinated by new technology. <laughs> he goes out of his way to have the kids say how smartphones are cool. And apparently <laughs> la- laptops are lame, which I thought was very, <laughs> very old man writing for a young man. Yeah. Uh, yes. type, type scene. Um, and then I also had like, I think my, my big problem with this movie is just like, yeah, it it goes. I mean, it's only an hour and a half, but it seems a little bit directionless, and it does feel like he not having like that kind of like siege framework that some of the best movies in this series have. He doesn't always know what to do, you know, with with the plot. And I even had a note that uh, I wrote the finale. of This film goes on for about eleven minutes, which is about ten minutes too long. Because yeah, the the ending was just like once you got to the ending, I was just kind of done with it and. The movie kind of just kept going. So I don't know. So I'm going to give this one two VHS tapes out of five. I think uh, it's definitely a higher score than Diary. So like I said, this is not the worst out of the series. And like I said, there are some things to like about this movie. Unlike Diary, I, you know, at some point in the far future, I might watch this one again just for fun. 
So I think that gives us an average. If my calculations are correct, we got an average of 2.625 for this one, which I think is respectable. Yeah. Not the worst score mm. in the world. I think that about wraps up our episode and it wraps up about, I think, five or six months of talking about this series. So hopefully you've enjoyed our journey going from Night of the Living Dead in 1968 all the way up to Survival of the Dead in 2009. And I think we're finally going to kind of take a little a little side detour from talking about a long series. And we're actually going to do something for our next episode in a couple of weeks. And I don't know if it's going to be two weeks or four weeks. So please don't quote me on this. But at some point in the near future, we're going to talk about a film that was that was actually placed in the near future when it was made, because we're going to be talking about a film set all the way in the future of 2007. I'm, of course, talking about the film classic from 1990. I think it was 1994. Double Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Bill's already very excited to talk about this one. Now, I will say just for the folks at home. So I I mentioned on our first episode this year that we, you know, we had a decent number of downloads last year and we appreciate everyone that listened, but it turns out that our most listened episode was actually about the very first ever video game adaptation, which is Super Mario Brothers, of course. So we figured maybe we'd follow that up and do the second ever video game adaptation, which is Double Dragon, starring, I think, what, Mark Dacascos, and I got, can't remember the other guy's name, and, of <laughs> course, Robert Patrick in the villain role. So join us in, I don't know, two or maybe four weeks. We're going to talk about that. We're going to kind of keep it kind of light. It's going to be fun to talk about a movie that we're, we don't feel bad trashing, because I think we... We kind of felt <laughs> we felt kind of guilty talking about diary and survival. So yeah, that's coming up. And then we also have some other stuff coming up in the weeks and months to follow. So stay tuned, smash that 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 subscribe button, keep in, in contact with us, keep tuned in. And in the meantime, Bill, where can mm-hmm. people find you when they're not listening to this podcast? I'm gonna be busy behind my computer typing out the script for Ponty Tank. Yeah, Ponty Tank. I, 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 it never occurred yes. to me before, but that is just perfect. Um, I'm so excited. Three people will fo- oh. three people will find that amusing, but one of them is oh. Renee, and that's enough, you know. Oh, thanks so much. Can I get a dedication yeah. in the front? Oh wow! Oh please, we'll give you a co-writing credit. The, the, this blame should be shared. Um, oh man, I, I would, I'm I on. Would um, pay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would pay so much good movie good money to watch that movie i'm not even kidding so yes please please do that please us uh. yeah i don't know i got a feeling it's you know I, i'm running um i'm watching a lot of films with the con carolinas film festival and um some good stuff always comes in but there's a lot of ideas that are funny for about a minute and then and then but then you look at you know, how much time is remaining and it's considerably more than a minute Please, please, please also just make sure that you like write Bob Costas into that as well, because he was one of my favorite parts of Booty Tang. Oh my god! Too, too soon. Um, I'm on decades of horror. What did did Bob Costas do? Didn't he just die? No, No, Bob Saget. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Oh man, that's right. (laughs) Just cursed. Yeah. Oh, I just did. Oh man, if something happens to him, I'll be, I'll be like, ever see the movie I Bury the Living? No, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super low budget movie. Guy runs a, a a graveyard and he has pins, white pins for 
plots that aren't used and black pins for ones oh, that aren't. Yeah. He accidentally sticks a black pin into a white one and <gasps> the guy dies and he realizes that he has the power of life and death. And it's one of those movies that's going really great up until the last 10 minutes and turns into a big steaming pile of shit when they Scooby-Doo <laughs> the ending and explain yeah. it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yep, yep. You got it. You got to stick with your guns here. I'm on Decades of Horror uh, for GruesomeMagazine.com, the Decades of Horror, the 70s and 80s. And I just, last week I went through COVID. No fun, gang. If you're one of those people who, like me, were thinking, oh, man, two years of worrying about this bullshit. I wish I would just get it and get it over with. Okay, that's your brain thinking. Shut up, brain. You're drunk. Um, <laughs> no, you don't want to go through this. It was absolutely no kind of fun. Misery. And uh, so we had to push back a couple of uh, things, including this one, which I'm thankful for because I had fun tonight. But our next one's going to be Blood for Dracula. Andy Warhol's Blood for Dracula. Oh my God, well, you guys just did the oh, Frankenstein one. We just did the Frankenstein and now oh we did God. this one and a movie that literally has no one to root for. Um, one, one, a 14-year-old girl is the only one we can root for. Um, oh. And unfortunately, she's at the tender mercies of a monster and also Dracula. So, yeah, boy, unpleasant, unpleasant. But has one of my favorite vampires. So there you go. We'll be, oh. uh, we'll be doing that one and I think Night of the Comet is another one we have coming mm. over in the 80s. That's a good one. Yeah. That was voted for by the audience. So I voted for stuff. Altered States for you, just so you I know. Love, yeah. Night of the Comet was, quite frankly, my least favorite of all the choices we had. But as oh. they often do, the public has spoken, and now they must suffer. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, that's no what I'm up to. it's no blood-sucking freaks, but you know. No. Oh, God dang. That was, <laughs> whoosh, whoosh. Double Dragon is... <laughs> Citizen Kane compared to blood sucking freaks. I haven't yeah. I haven't seen Double Dragon and I, I'm looking oh, forward boy. to it. I, I already have my box of Wendy's Frosty Breakfast cereal. Good to go. So I can get hopped up watching it and hop yeah. up when we record. So there you go. I'm kind yeah. of looking forward to it. By the way, I gotta say, uh, just looping back to Double Dragon real quick. Scott Wolf was the other guy who I oh, forgot. He right. plays Billy Lee. I apologize to all you Party of Five fans out there that that I forgot Scott Wolf, uh, but remembered Mark Dacascus. But uh, so there you go. Anyways, Paul, when you're not uh, shilling for frosty breakfast cereal, is there anywhere <laughs> else that people can find you? No. Cool. Uh, Renee, about you? I only leave the house twice a twice oh. a week. Once to go to Wegmans at six in the morning on Thursdays, and. Uh, Wants to go to BJ's, the like the Costco on Saturdays, and other than that, I'm sitting at my desk, you know, working. So there you go. Oh, it's exciting, well. thrilling. But I only put on shoes like twice a week, aside from when I'm exercising. So, Oof. well, if people want to see Paul at Wegman's or BJ's, um, <laughs> be sure to, you know, just sync <laughs> your your visits with him. Uh, Renee, how about you? Any anywhere else people can find you? You know, it's interesting because typically, no, not at all. But I have oh, a thing what? now. Yeah. What? Yeah, I have huh? a thing now. A thing? Uh, a thing? Yeah, it is, it is Cult of the Cathode Ray. Uh, it is with Zachary and myself. And right now we're talking about The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. While it's still good, first uh, we're in season two now. Um, although I believe we're still, uh, I should say we're, we're recording season two. Season, so season two is on the way, people. But right now you can go listen to season one. And gosh, what do, when do you release it? Every Wednesday? It is, yeah. Every Wednesday, you can hear new episodes. There you go. That's I have a place you can find me now. You're welcome, America. Yay! 
Yay. Yeah, and if you want to find that that uh, that that podcast, you can go to cultofcatherine.com, and we have a bunch of links, or you can just search for it on your favorite wherever you find podcasts, I guess. And if you don't know what, how to spell cathode ray, just start typing it into Google, and it'll autocorrect for you. Mm-hmm. So I realized after we named that, I was like, maybe we should have named it something that people can actually spell. But oh well, that's behind us. Uh, what's done is done. So yeah, I think uh, I think that's it for us. Tune in in a couple of weeks. Double Dragon. It's going to be great. It's going to be, I don't know. I think we're all going to get hopped up on breakfast cereal and uh, we'll see. We'll see if which one of us actually survives the episode. So it's going to be fun. And that's all I got. Any other closing remarks from anyone? <laughs> okay. Well, okay. thanks for listening, everyone, and have a wonderful night. Goodbye. See ya. Good night, everyone. person who's already dead. Somebody's gonna find a cure for this. A beautiful place to live. And to die. Give me some more bullets for this gun.